Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we're talking about season seven, episode five of The Vampire Diaries, which is called Live Through This. There were some like low points in this episode, but overall, I was excited by this. There were some great things and there's some fun discussion points. This is the best of season seven we've had so far, I will say. But what I also will say as a Steriline stan, I don't know how I'm expected to live through this. As a Bonenzo stan, life is good, baby. Life has finally started to turn around for me. Things are looking up, finally. This was a bad day to be a Steriline stan and an especially bad day to be a Stefan stan. Tell me about it. The Steriline issues are not Caroline's fault. And I have a whole thing to say about this, but... The Steriline issues aren't even Stefan's fault. You know whose fault it is? It's Julie fucking Pleck. Yeah. Because I feel as though the whole Stefan and Valerie issue we're dealing with here is very out of character for Stefan, but we'll talk about it. That's my overarching thing, is we saw how he was able to close the door on Catherine. Why was he not able to do the same thing for Valerie? Because it's more convenient to have a dramatic storyline where he's having issues with Caroline. I think this is what happened is they said, okay, Stefan's thing is he really falls in love and we're going to write a storyline about that. But that's not really fully Stefan's thing. Like he does, but he he's very good at compartmentalizing. Some may say to his detriment, but he does do that. Unlike Damon, who does not keep anything a compartment. It's just all free flow and everywhere. That's what's interesting about it is like, Stefan, the whole idea is like, oh, Stefan just feels his emotions so deeply. He cares too much. but. He's never been good at falling in love without like intellectualizing it. Neither has Caroline, which is why they're a good fit. And I get what they're trying to do here. A is to create history with heretics so that they're not just six random strangers we meet. Mm -hmm. But creating a girl he lost his virginity to and got pregnant one time who he's been obsessed with, who we've never heard about before, that doesn't really solve that issue. And it doesn't really give us a connection to the heretics. What does give us a connection to the heretics is Nora and Mary Louise, who aren't connected to anyone else. Yeah, I think the whole history idea, I see what they're trying to do with it, but I do think it would have been better to have that be a one-sided history. Yeah. Maybe let's shift the timeline a little. Maybe you didn't take his virginity, but maybe like you met him when he was a ripper and you fell in love with him and then he didn't really give a shit. And like now it's her thing to deal with. And it's Stefan's, Stefan has to deal with feeling guilty about how he treated people again. Boring, but you guys like to do that. I get we kind of did that with Klaus and Rebecca, but I think we could do it in a different way. And again, we already have this connection to Stefan and Damon through their mom. And I actually think like that Stefan's relationship with Lily is a lot more complex than Damon's because Stefan is like kind of trying to see the good in her. And I don't think we need him conflicted over romantic feelings for someone else when we already have Lily there. In general, I think we could have cut the number of heretics down. Particularly by cutting Valerie. Particularly by cutting Valerie. And I know it's because I'm a Steriline stan is another reason I'm having a hard time with it. But in general, I do think that like on TV shows, I understand that when a couple, especially a big couple, gets together, we need to throw some complications in to prove they really love each other. And I find like the trope of like a past love or just like another person is not a fun complication for me. Yeah. Because have you grown as a person? Shouldn't you be beyond something like this? Especially because this was like 200 years ago. And especially because so much of Stefan and Caroline's getting together was Stefan struggling to choose Caroline. 
which was much more a personal thing than it was that he didn't like her. But now it's like, so now I'm just supposed to expect that Caroline was not only his second choice to Elena, but his second choice to Valerie. That's not fucking fair. And I think like, I'm not as big of a Sterling stan as you. Of course I'm a Sterling stan. Yeah. And I understand, like you said, the obstacles when a big couple gets together, you have to throw those at them. I think those obstacles become less important in the later run of the show. Because some might say the major obstacle between Stefan and Caroline, ding, ding, was Elena. Yeah. They had a big obstacle that Stefan had to learn how to love in a different way. Caroline had to learn how to love and learn how to let go of control so they could get together. If we choose to look at the show as a Stefan Caroline love story, just as we look at it as an Elena Damon love story. So it just, I do think it undercuts the writing of that love story by throwing in like a girl he met once and all the love in the world to Valerie that's possible that is not the type of person that inspires this kind of feeling. Like being in love with Catherine for 200 years, totally get it. Well, and also like Catherine, you know, they spent a lot of time together and I get the idea is that it was like his first love, but really they met one day, had sex one time and then wrote like what, two letters to each other? Yeah. After you see the love with Catherine, it's just like, how does this have any control over him? And clearly it does. And I get that it's a better acting choice for Paul Wesley to actually care about Valerie. It's a more interesting character choice. But I think it undercuts Stefan as a character. I think it undercuts Steriline. I just think it's altogether bad. Well, I just think even separating it completely from Stefan, it's stupid. A 16-year-old boy hooking up with a girl and then becoming a whore. Yeah, mind you. He's not thinking about Valerie. He's been whoring it up for years. He's got a lot of bodies. Let's say that. It's not like giving up his body has been an issue for him, okay? It's not like he's been selective with it. Yeah. Not that he should be. I love that he's a whore. But I'm just saying, why would he give a shit about this girl? And, you know, we'll get to the anyone caring about the pregnancy situation. Well, and aside from all of that, I don't believe these two actors have chemistry. They don't. The kind of chemistry that sells this story. And they're get, and they're giving it their best shot, truly. But especially when you look at, we have two couples to kind of compare, even in this episode. Mm-hmm. Stefan and Valerie are kind of bickering, and Bonnie and Enzo are kind of bickering. And you see Bonnie and Enzo, gold standard, incredible. Sparks flying. Stefan and Valerie, it's like, I don't think these two, like, have any opinion about each other. I don't think they hate each other. I don't think they like each other. I think they're indifferent. Valerie has more chemistry with Bo. Yes! Me on my bow lover shit, okay? Let's say this. Valerie has more chemistry with fucking Mary Louise. And you know what? And she has more chemistry with Oscar. In the curse, Stefan, Damon, Valerie. Damon has some chemistry with Valerie. Stefan and Damon have their chemistry. And it's like, what are Stefan and Valerie both doing in this scene together? They are not, there's no connection. Yeah, it's not necessarily the actor's fault because obviously they're able to have chemistry with other people. When I think this is something that the show has been good about in the past that it's kind of trying to shoehorn in now is like, I think they can pull out like Klaus and Caroline is a perfect example. They saw that those two actors had chemistry and people were responding to it. So they fed into that a little bit. Bonnie and Enzo, same thing that they're doing right now. Stefan and Valerie, they're like, okay, have chemistry. And it's like, even if you're a good actor, there's some natural chemistry between actors that you can't like fake. Yeah. That there's some chemistry that's just good. Well, and I think it's just that this is something they were trying to shoehorn in and they just didn't really think about the chemistry. It's the same way that they almost for a minute tried to make like Enzo and Caroline happen and it wasn't quite hitting. Yeah. It's like you're pushing this down our throats a little bit. 
But at least when they did the Enzo Caroline thing, then they were like, oh, this isn't working and stopped it. Yes. This one, they kind of have already attached to it by making the bitch pregnant. Yes. So it's kind of like, we can't just drop this now. Like we can't be like, oh, remember we did that whole big reveal where she was pregnant? Actually, that doesn't matter and no one cares. And Stefan can't be like, yeah, I know about the baby, but I don't really give a fuck because it is true to Stefan's character that he would like, actually, no, I don't think it's true to Stefan's character that he would want a baby, but I do think it's true to Stefan's character that if his girlfriend were pregnant, he would not make her have an abortion. And also in the 1860s, it's not like abortions were like accessible. But also in the 1860s, like the odds of that baby making it weren't amazing regardless. Yeah. I do think Stefan's the type that it's like if his girlfriend got pregnant, he'd be like, I'll do the right thing. And the girlfriend would be like, you want to say you love me or you what the fuck? And let's be totally honest. We're getting so far ahead of ourselves. I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> let's be so totally honest. In the alternate universe, where Valerie comes back to the Salvador house, tells Stefan she's pregnant. Who's to say that Giuseppe wouldn't beat the baby out of her? Oh, first of all, Giuseppe would. And then if by some act of God, the baby makes it through the gestational period, is born, is healthy, lives. Guess what happens when Catherine walks in that damn door? <laughs> Catherine's killing that baby. At minimum, Stefan's leaving his his wife and child for Catherine because Catherine could make him do that. And just even before that point, though, like Giuseppe, you know, my read on Giuseppe is that if his 16 year old son got a girl pregnant, he'd send the girl to the nunnery, send the baby away, send the boy to fucking boarding school. I mean, he's not letting Stefan be a father at 16. Have we met Giuseppe? He'd send Valerie to the same sanatorium Lily was at. (laughs) The one that Valerie was literally working at. Yeah. She'd just get pushed back as a patient. They'd be like, oh, hey, good to see you again. Too bad you went crazy. Sorry about the TB. (laughs) It doesn't matter because the baby never came to fruition. But that baby's life was not set up for anything successful. This baby did not stand a chance. Even if the baby survived Giuseppe and Catherine, that baby would not have, you know, been well adjusted by any stretch of the imagination. At best, it would be Nadia. That baby would make Nadia look like one of the best characters we've had. Yeah, let's say it. Anyway, sorry we got ahead of ourselves on a lot of that, but I have a lot of opinions, obviously. We'll talk more about this in the episode. A lot of these opinions will come out through the episode anyway, but we have to get the baseline down of why we're so annoyed. So so when I mean to Valerie, it's not like, where's that coming from? You know where it's coming from. And I find it unlikely that we have too many Valerie stands in the audience. I find it unlikely there are any. Yeah, if you're a Valerie stand, please feel free to tell me why. If any of you out there ship Stefan and Valerie, I would actually love to hear from you and tell me why, because I don't understand how you could with all the love in the world. So much to get into, obviously, even beyond what we've already gotten into. But before we dig even deeper, (laughs) (laughs) before we dig deeper, here's a quick ad. Normally, I would say I'll start with the synopsis, but since we've already been talking for a while, I say I'm going to continue with the synopsis from Vampire Diaries (laughs) Wiki. After realizing the downward spiral he was on, Damon decides he's going to turn over a new leaf and that his actions forward will do right by Elena. That'll last a day. Why wasn't he doing right by Elena before? I know. Classic Damon. Lily prepares for the arrival of a special figure from her past, while Enzo stands by, not sure what to expect. 
Elsewhere, at Caroline's urging, Stefan comes face to face with Valerie and learns some upsetting details about her past, while Enzo and Bonnie find themselves at odds when they're forced to fend off a violent threat. Finally, when Bonnie learns some disturbing information involving the Phoenix Stone, she is forced to confront Alaric. Over the phone? Over the phone. (laughs) (laughs) We open the episode, though, in time jump time three years from now. Mm Mm-hmm. Bonnie is in, like, group therapy at a mental institution. Julie Pleck, when I see you in the street. Uh, Julie Pleck, I need you to know, (laughs) you don't want to meet me. You don't want to meet me. You know how Valerie acted when she saw Julian? She spit on his face. That's me. That's me. (laughs) All the love in the world. Thank you for some of the things you did. But no, you did not have to do cat gram like this again. The therapist says, Bonnie, is there something you wanted to talk about? And Bonnie says, sure. She says, I guess I've been thinking a lot about the past lately and how one stupid decision can turn your life into something you don't recognize, like it belongs to someone else. I made a mistake and I lost someone I loved and I'd do anything to take it back, but I can't. All I can do is try and find a way to live with it. I sped through that monologue, but I should say, Kat Graham is acting down in this monologue. She's crying. She's doing incredible. But I do have to ask, what mistake do you think she's referring to and what loved one? I'm not sure what mistake, but I'm thinking she somehow betrayed David. Because she didn't betray Enzo. Let's say that. Let's say that. (laughs) But I think it's probably David. I think you could make an argument for Rick, but I would would say I'm 80% sure it's David. Okay. But no ideas on the mistake yet? I don't know what she did. Maybe she hurt him so bad that he chose to desiccate. Perhaps. The therapist says, okay, thank you for sharing, Bonnie. That was super vague. (laughs) But better than nothing, I guess. But Okay. (laughs) And then she says, oh, Alex, is there something you'd like to share with the group? Because it's group therapy. We don't hear what Alex has to say. We don't, we don't give a shit about him. Instead, Bonnie goes to her room. She turns on the lights and she sees someone and she says, what are you doing here? And then the camera shows us it's Enzo. And I screamed. I screamed. I screamed. I was happy just with this. I didn't need them to kiss in this scene. But don't get me wrong. I'm thankful. Just for them to interact. You were like, thank God. It's like, Finally, because I, I was starting to get worried. I made up an Enzo in my head. Yeah. <laughs> I can't blame you for being worried. Enzo says, things are bad out there, love. Can't hide in here forever. And I said, oh, he called her love. He's being flirty. But I wasn't. I didn't even know what was coming. They make out. They kiss. So in the time jump, Bonnie and Enzo are in love or are together or at least kissing. But kissing implies in love, you know. Yeah, I think they're in love. I'm kicking my feet. I'm giggling. I'm like fidgeting now. I'm so excited. You cheered. It was like the, it was like the Super Bowl. It was like a touchdown. I was so excited. I was doing a little touchdown hand gesture. You've been waiting. Oh, this is the the best kiss I've seen in a while on this show. All love to Stefan and Caroline, but it's not it's not my my stan. Well, also to be fair, Stefan and Caroline are not in the phase anymore where we're like they're having like big, big moments. Yeah, big kisses. They're just kind of dating now, which you know, natural progression, but boring and. Not nearly as sexy as when they both had their humanity off and were making out on the vending machine. Yeah. It's just not the phase they're in anymore. Yeah. But Bonnie and Enzo, finally. Finally some good fucking food. Mmm, yummy. All this, I was like, like, thank God. I mean, I know it's three years from now, but at least that means he's not with Lily. (laughs) (laughs) I I was getting nervous. At least you know that when we get to the time jump, because obviously we're going to get to it, why else would we be seeing scenes from three years from now? at least you know they're going to be together. So now every scene with them is just that much better. It's like we got to see the ending where they're together, which I'm sure is not the ending to their story. 
But now it's like, okay, you gave me the taste. I know it's coming now. I can, you know, I was picking it every time they interacted anyway, but now I have a justification for it. And any of the Enzo and Lily scenes now are just like, it's easier. You, you can let it roll off your back. You're like, who cares? He said, sure, Enzo, try that again. <laughs> You'll get to the right place eventually. I'll wait. <laughs> then we go to present day at Alaric's apartment. Rick is watching as Joe sleeps in his bed. Or so he thinks. <laughs> yeah. I will say I'm going to refer to Joe and Oscar as Joe and Oscar, even though we know they're not, just because... We don't get other names, so... Yeah. I could call them Nosker and Nojo. <laughs> Nosker and No. <laughs> but I just don't want to do that. Um, but that's the kind of joke I would have gone for. You guys can do that in your mind if you want. Bonnie comes in and she's like, oh, hey, how is she doing? And Rick says, I don't know. She's been sleeping for 12 hours. That's normal, right? Bonnie said, yesterday she was dead. Today she's alive. I think normal applies. Also, we've never done this before. Yeah. But she was sleeping. I was like, damn, she's still sleeping. Weren't you sleeping enough, bitch? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you get enough sleep? You were dead. <laughs> Bonnie has a box and Rick says, please tell me that's food. And Bonnie says, no, it's term papers. They were jamming up your inbox. You are still employed as a professor here. She says, you have to do your fucking job. She said, no, I didn't bring you a sandwich. I brought you your literal job. I know that the guy who owns the morgue walked in and the body was gone. He was like, you know what? Fine. He said, I can't think about that. I told him I, I wasn't going to store it anymore. He figured something out. I'm good. He said, at least he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> at least I don't have to deal with that guy again. And yeah, I know the guy who runs the morgue walked in. He fell to his knees. He was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> he said, happy November. <laughs> Rick says, hey, do you want a job as my new TA? All you have to do is write interesting point in a few margins and give everyone a B plus. I would have been the kind of student that is a lyrics nightmare because I would have said, you didn't give me any negative comments. Why did I get a B plus? Why didn't I get an A? Well, and then he'd be so lazy. He'd be like, yeah, I'll give you an A. And you'd be like, so you just gave it for no reason. So your grades mean nothing. And he'd be like, please just shut up. My wife died. <laughs> He's like, just shut up and don't tell the other students that. <laughs> Bonnie says, tempting, but I need to figure out exactly how I brought your wife back to the land of the living. And Rick says, she's here and okay. Like, what does it matter now? She's been asleep for 12 hours, Rick. You don't know she's okay. Well, yeah, she's here and okay, uh, not right on either account. Yeah, she's not here and she's barely okay. <laughs> she's okay now because she's asleep. Most people are okay when they're asleep. Yeah. Bonnie says, well, in less than 24 hours, I raised two people from the dead with a sketchy spell and something called a phoenix stone. No research, no rehearsal time, no contingency plan. And now that I have a little breathing room, I want to figure out what kind of magic I was dealing with in case I opened up Pandora's rock. So can I have it back, please? And he does give it to her. Because he said, I didn't need this. I get wanting to dig into it now, but girl, it doesn't really matter. What's done is done. But it's good that she learns as much as she does this week because it's useful information. Well, it's good to know. And, you know, you can always kill people again. Yeah. Bonnie goes. And after she leaves, Joe wakes up and Rick says, hey, how are you feeling? And she says, I'm starving. And he laughs because that is so Joe. He said, that's classic Joe. Because <laughs> if we'll remember, they gave Joe exactly three personality traits. One, doctor. Two, likes wine. Three, likes Thai food. Yeah. And we said, yep, classic Joe. That's her. He said, sure. Whatever gets a lurk off our backs. Yeah. We go over to Caroline's dorm. She and Stefan are cuddling. And they are naked because they had sex, as we know. <laughs> <I'm> glad <laughs> you laid that all out. <laughs> 
really setting the scene. I know. It, you don't even need to watch the episode the way I explained that. <laughs> Stefan says, this is torture for you, isn't it? She says, no, I love laying here and doing nothing, listening to you breathe. She's so me. She's just like me. <laughs> There's nothing worse. I'm like, can we go? Uh, can I get up? I have things to do today. <laughs> yeah. Stefan says, yeah, you're just making a mental checklist of all the things you need to do today, debating whether you need to accidentally kick me awake. Again, me. Why do you think you're awake now, dumbass? Yeah. Oh, you got kicked. <laughs> she says, did you say kick or kiss? Because she said, well, now that you're up, I might as well get a kiss. Then I might as well be cute now. So they make out a little bit. Damon comes in with coffee and he says, good morning, lovebirds. And they groaned. They said, not you. There's always groans when Damon walks into a room and it's got to be getting to him. Yeah, he enters to audience <laughs> booze. <laughs> Damon says, I brought you some free range overpriced coffee. One cream, two sugars, just like you like it. And Caroline says, actually, I hate sugar in my coffee. So we know that Stefan's coffee order is one cream, two sugars. That is so Stefan. Parentheses derogatory. <laughs> yeah. And I know Caroline drinks her coffee black or with a splash of milk. Yeah. My thing is if you're going to do sugar and cream, one cream. Right. Who puts one cream in their coffee? If you put one cream in, you might as well be using skim milk. One cream and two sugars. I just I I don't get that. But that does that does seem on brand for Stefan because I think he probably thinks cream is girlier than sugar is, and he's mistaken. <laughs> Stefan says, "Is there any particular reason you're barging into my girlfriend's dorm room at the crack of mid morning? The crack of mid morning. Get up, get out of bed. He was waiting. <laughs> he was sitting outside with the coffee, being like, damn, when's he gonna wake up? When's Caroline gonna start kicking? Yeah, is Caroline gonna kick him awake yet?'" <laughs> Damon says, why are you such a grumpy Gus? I thought you'd want to celebrate today. I finally got Elena tucked away safely. You're snuggled with Caroline on this tragically tiny bed, and Rick saved his lady from the great beyond. Everything is coming up, Salvatore. And also, by the way, during this conversation, Caroline's changing in another room because Damon took her room. And also, by the way, during this conversation, Damon threw Stefan a t-shirt, but he's put nothing else on, so he's Winnie the Poohing it. <laughs> Damon says, everything is coming up Salvatore so much so that I have decided to turn over a new leaf. And Stefan says, awesome. Stefan's like, sure. Sure you have. What's the leaf this time? <laughs> Damon says, I'm going to be the man that does right by Elena all on my own by keeping her in my heart instead of keeping her underfoot. Stefan says, that sounds awesome. Stefan says, great, I guess. We'll see. <laughs> Damon says, I'm going to need a little help with the dirty work, though. So rise and shine, brother. We are going to interrogate a tall, beautiful heretic with a terrible attitude. And Caroline says, Valerie. And Damon says, rings a bell. And then he looks between them because clearly there's some information about Valerie that they know that he doesn't. And so he says, I'm missing something here. And Caroline says, oh, Stefan and Valerie are old flames from way back. And they haven't had a face to face since she came tumbling out of that prison world. And Damon says, hang on. Valerie, as in the card Valerie. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Broke your heart. And it's like, oh. It's like, you guys talked about that? It, it's interesting to think about when exactly did they talk about that? Because I guess they were kind of besties after, like, Damon came back from war, but before they met Catherine. Yeah. So I guess maybe they talked about it then. But also, him calling her V-Card Valerie, V-Card is a very new term. That's true. So Damon was probably just referring to her as that in his mind recently well this is also my thing so the story that we're meant to believe is that stefan was like heartbroken in love with her and the nickname for her that they were using was v card valerie 
That doesn't sound very heartbroken. That's what's interesting about this nickname. And look, I know I'm reading into it, and this is just a goofy little line they give you in Somerhalder. It's I'm not supposed to be reading into it like this. But this name implies recency, which implies that they were talking about her recently. And again, we've never heard of the girl. Yeah, it's weird. But it's just Ian Somerhalder being silly goofy. I get it. Caroline says, you know what? I think this is the perfect opportunity for you two to catch up. Unless there's a reason it would be uncomfortable for you. Caroline said, this isn't really about me. Can you kind of handle yourself? And Stefan, lying, said, sure. Yeah, he says, no, there's no reason it would be uncomfortable for me. And Caroline says, great, have fun. And she leaves because, again, they've taken over her room. Yeah, she's like, I guess I'll go. Like, I guess I'll fuck off. (laughs) Yeah. We go over to the Salvatore house. Enzo tosses Oscar a blood bag and says, enjoy it, mate. That's the last of it. They had coolers full of blood. How is this the last of it? Especially because weren't you guys rationing? Yeah. So how much exactly did Oscar drink? And what about that seems normal? Why did that not raise alarm bells? And I know he's part of the family. I get that. But you saw how he behaved last week. Why didn't we put him in a dungeon? Yeah. You have plenty. Who am I, though? Lily says, good morning, Oscar. And then she turns to Enzo and says, it was kind of you to sit with him all night. And Enzo says, yeah, well, I've had a couple bad nights myself over the years. More like you've had a couple good nights. Most of your nights are bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think bad outnumber the good significantly. Yeah. (laughs) Lucy drops off some flowers in the room and Enzo says, oh, what's the occasion? And Lily says, my mother always used to keep fresh flowers when expecting guests. I suppose I picked it up from her. And Enzo says, Julian, I presume. He's not interested. And Lily says, yes, he'll arrive home today if all goes as planned. This is a good thing, Lorenzo. I hope you can be happy. There's no reason the two of you shouldn't get along. Enzo's looking at her like, you know that there is a reason and you know the reason. And you know there's a very major reason why we won't get along. Because I love you as more than a mommy. Yeah. She says, hmm. Doesn't work for me. She says, I actually ignore that completely and just, you know, use those feelings to take advantage of you. So you do things for me. She says, one thing about me, I'm, I'm thinking about myself. Yeah. I'm certainly the center of this, this whole situation. Enzo says, yeah, thick as thieves, I reckon. <laughs> Mary Louise comes in and she says, I want to drive, but Bo won't give me the keys. And Nora says, yeah, because you keep hitting cats in utility poles. She's so real. They're all just learning how to drive, and they're all hitting shit. Yeah, none of them are good drivers. Which, it's pretty easy to be a good driver in a town, again, with no traffic. Yeah, there's everyone's evacuated. Yeah. There's no other cars on the road. How are you hitting things? <laughs> Nora sees that Oscar is still sitting in the same place as she left him, and she says, he's still sitting there? And she's like, Oscar, darling, it's Nora. Do you remember me? And Mary Louise says, I don't like this. Oscar is meant to be laughing and making jokes. Guess what, Oscar? Julian's coming back. Life's about to get fun again. Interesting. Interesting that they think that. Mary Louise and Nora seem quite positive about Julian. Yeah. But maybe they, since they have each other, got to, you know, be in their own little world a little bit more. Yeah. And I don't mean to be crass, but Julian reads to me as the type of guy who's way too excited about lesbians. He's either way too excited about them or he hates them. Yeah. Nora says, so fun. And then she gets him. She says, okay, well, he's clearly unwell. We can't just leave him here. 
and he's sitting right there. <laughs> yeah, Nora's like, I don't fuck with this guy anymore. Lily says, Lorenzo, you wouldn't mind keeping an eye on him, would you? We won't be long. Enzo says, happy to help. Get up, Enzo. You are an unpaid babysitter at this point. You can say no to something. Lily says, thank you. And if you hear from Valerie, tell her to come home immediately. I know I was stern yesterday, but that's no reason to sulk. Come on, girls. She has plenty of reasons to sulk. And plenty of reasons to not sulk, but she'll take them anyway. Yeah. One thing about Valerie, she's sulking. Yeah, she's not in a good mood. We go out to a car. Valerie is driving. She's on the phone with Enzo. Enzo says, where are you? And she says, I'm headed out to find Julian, and I'm trying to follow the directions on Oscar's stupid phone. Why doesn't anyone use real maps anymore? What's wrong with paper? She's like holding the phone while she's steering. She's swerving all over the road. It's like, girl, you'd do that if you had paper, too. Well, and she's holding the phone that she's talking to Enzo with and Oscar's phone with the map. It's like, it's a speakerphone. You can put that one down. Yeah. Or turn Google Maps on with sound. Yeah. Enzo says, well, I suggest you get a move on because Lily and company are right behind you. And she says, that's impossible. You promised to keep Oscar quiet. And Enzo says, oh, Oscar doesn't remember squat. But they must have tracked Julian down on their own with a locator spell or some other heretic malarkey. Never underestimate Lily's relentless devotion to getting what she wants. I giggle that they gave him the word malarkey to say in a line. I know. (laughs) Valerie says, hey, wait, what does it mean when the little burr thing goes red? Hello? And I guess she's out of service, so the call drops. I think the phone died. Oh, that's a better read. Yeah. Anyway, she suddenly breaks because Damon is in the road with his car. Now, girl, I know you saw that coming from further away. You've been driving straight. Yeah. Suddenly, she doesn't have a leg to stand on being mad at those people hitting her. <laughs> yeah, literally. She's like, now I can see why they hit me now. Actually, that was pretty easy. Damon says, no seatbelt? That's a hefty fine, young lady. And she says, how did you? And Damon says, little bird brain said you stole his car and sped out of Mystic Falls. You do realize that by taking a deputy's SUV that every move you made would be tracked, right? Because there was only really one car to steal. Yeah, there's really not any cars to steal. And of course she doesn't know that. She doesn't know what GPS is. She's like, what do you mean tracked? You can't do a locator spell. (laughs) This doesn't leave any footprints. (laughs) Valerie says, could you kindly move your car? And Damon says, oh, that car? Oh, you bet I'll move that car. But first, I need to ask you why you killed your faux brother Oscar and framed me for the murder. And Valerie says what any reasonable person would do in this situation. She says, I have no idea what you're talking about. Fair enough. I mean, you got to try it because she's also like, how would he know that? Yeah. Like, I've been keeping a a tight lid on that. Like, Enzo kind of knows that. But as far as she knows, Enzo and Damon are not speaking. Well, and so she's probably like, he's probably guessing. So let's see if I could just make him not believe this. Damon says, you're right. I might not be 100% on my detective work. It's possible another heretic turned him into a desiccated corpse. I'm not sure. So I'm going to go to my car. And I'm going to get my phone and I'm going to call Lily and see if she knows. So Valerie, of course, gives him an aneurysm spell. This is the one plus of having Lily alive is if they just threaten to snitch to Lily, these people will do whatever they want. They fall right in line. Valerie says, fine, you're a genius. What on earth made you think I wouldn't do the same to you? And Damon says, we're just talking here. (laughs) Which makes me laugh so hard the way he says it. (laughs) Because he's choking as he's doing it. Yeah. And then from behind Valerie, Stefan appears and he says, Valerie, she releases the spell. And she says, oh, Stefan, how to bring out the big guns. <laughs> Stefan says, quit torturing my brother and tell me exactly what's going on here. She says, OK, well, this is gonna be a bad day, I think. <laughs> she says, oh, I hate this. She says, well, 
killing myself back on <laughs> killing myself i'll try again <laughs> we go over to the whitmore dorm caroline is studying flashcards you know a lot of teen dramas they get made fun of because no one's ever in class and like no one on this show is in class except caroline caroline is always taking a test or something she's always up to something because she takes this shit seriously she said i know i can go to college at any point in my life i don't care i'm at college now i'm taking all my fucking classes yeah, she said, I'm going to be liked. She could have not taken any makeup exam. She could have compelled A's. No, she just likes getting good grades. Yeah. She's real. Bonnie comes in and she says, is it safe to enter? Is your boyfriend still half naked under the sheets? And Caroline says, oh, I'm a roommate horror story. Bonnie says, please, at least your bed has seen a half naked male all semester. I think Miss Cuddles is starting to feel sorry for me. I mean, look at her. You see how she's judging me? I need man help. And Caroline says, don't look to me for advice. I just sent my boyfriend to spend the day with his first love. We're not all the way through the scene yet, but this scene is a rough watch because it's really like a game of who can say the most exposition. Yeah. And they're just putting it in here to remind us that Caroline and Bonnie are friends, but they've not been having any friendship scenes lately. Well, like they both have other shit they're dealing with. And like, you know, they've been busy with their other little friendships they can interact but this is very much like let's check in on each other like friends do because we are friends one it's like they just want to be like oh look bonnie wants a a man and then we'll put her with enzo it's like i was already on that path first of all i watched them kiss in the beginning of this episode yeah so you don't need to spell that out for me i think i can get it julie pleck you are foul for not giving cat graham as many love interests as you give everyone else on this show Mm -hmm. but whatever Enzo's a good one. I, I have to I have to accept that. After you spent four seasons putting her with Jeremy. I needed that off. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Bonnie says, Valerie, the heretic who turned your skin to vervain so you and Stefan couldn't touch? Again, Exposition Olympics over here. I watched the episodes. That was last week. We're good. Caroline says that would be the one. Yes, that is what happened last week on The Vampire Diaries. Yes, that is what happened previously on The Vampire Diaries. (laughs) Bonnie says, you're either completely insane or the most secure woman in the world. Caroline says, you know, I want him to work things out with her. He has this habit of bottling up all his hurt feelings, and I think it would be good for them if they could clear away all the 19th century drama so they can get on with their lives. Clean slate. I love Caroline's, like, it's really not my business, like, what he wants to do, like, He can go handle that shit himself and he needs to face his emotions. I mean, he is clearly bottling up however this made him feel. But what's interesting about Stefan is usually the bottling up works. Yeah, usually it's a pretty tight seal on that bottle. I mean, he bottled up all his emotions about Catherine and he really never like snapped on that. He was like, yep, that's done. That's over. Yeah, that's in the corner over there. Bonnie says, most secure woman ever it is. I'm officially inspired. And Caroline says, so are you going out to meet a guy? And Bonnie says, no, I'm going to Mystic Falls to discuss magic with a heretic I just brought back to life. And then maybe I'll go meet a guy. And she leaves. And Bonnie, you will meet a guy, but you've met him before. And you'll meet him again. And his name is Enzo St. John. We go out to the car. Stefan is driving. Valerie is shotgun. And Damon is in the backseat. And Damon leans forward. And he says, okay, I think I got it. You killed Oscar because he knew how to get Julian, but you hate Julian because he's a sadistic, depraved, no good monster that Lily desperately wants to bring home. And he clocked her. I mean, yeah, he doesn't have a specific reason, but he got it. 
I mean, he hit the nail on the head. So, of course, what Valerie does to deflect from the fact that he got her ass is she names another way he's horrible other than, you know, beating the baby out of her. Yeah. She says, did you ever hear of the Black Sea Massacre of 1897? Julian annihilated an entire coastline on Christmas Day. Coastline? How did he even find the time? I I respect that coastlines can be smaller sections, but that's a lot. And on Christmas Day, didn't you want to spend time with your family? It's like, did you even want to come across as a good person? You had to kill people on Christmas Day. You could have done that any other day. And I mean, it sort of been awful, but... But like Christmas Day, I think makes it worse. Yeah. And Valerie says, yet Lily is still hopelessly in love with him. Once again, Lily's picker, off. It's starting to look like Giuseppe was the good choice. Yeah. Which is concerning. Damon says, so? Stefan took out an entire village in Monterey and Caroline still wants him to each his own. That pisses Valerie right off. Yeah, you can see that stings Valerie because she wants him too. Mm -hmm. And so Damon says, oh, speaking of which, how did you two meet? Because one thing about Damon, if he's in the car, he's starting something. He's not just going to listen to the radio. He's instigating. Yeah. Even from the back seat. He wants to absolutely tank the vibe on a road trip. Absolutely. And he will. (laughs) Stefan says, we met at the town fair. And Damon says, oh, that's right. And then you were supposed to meet after that, right? Like under a bridge or a tree or a romantic park bench. And Stefan says, oh, will you please shut up? And Damon turns to Valerie and says, you know, when you didn't show, this guy wrote 10 pages in his journal about how the sun would never shine as bright and the food would never taste as sweet. Yes, I read them. Your hiding places were always crap. Uh, Valerie, incidentally, has read these too. Yeah, she knows that. She's, she has the diary. She said, I read that every day. I still read it. Yeah. So that's literally in my purse right now. <laughs> Damon says, you really crushed the guy. And Stefan says, well, she was just spying for Lily. I mean, it was all just a game, wasn't it? Valerie says nothing to that. Damon says, ooh, ouch. And Stefan says, yeah, but no, keep going, man. This bit is hilarious. And Valerie says, no, please stop. Which Stefan should clock as something, but he doesn't. Don't you think if she was just spying for Lily, she'd be like, haha, whatever. Like, fuck this dude. She'd be like, yeah, sorry. Sorry you fell in love with me. Sorry you were a dumbass 16-year-old who fell in love with the first girl who gave him attention. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Valerie says, the only thing that matters now is that we find Julian and make sure he can't come home. So if you're not in, spare me the car ride and let me out. And Damon says, oh, no, Stefan's in. I'm going to watch because he has no intention of killing Julian because Stefan says he is turning over a new leaf. Even Valerie says, sure. We go over to Alaric's apartment. Joe is eating the Thai food and she points at the TV, which is turned off. And she says, is that art or something? Weird thing to say. Yes, this is a red flag. Because, like, there's the amnesia thing, but that, it's not amnesia to forget a TV if you've seen one before. Yeah, it's like, oh, what kind of amnesia is this? Yeah. And Rick says, no, that's a TV. And she says, okay, that's a TV. I'm Joe. You're a lurk, but you go by Rick because it's an odd name. And we're married. She's running down what she knows. (laughs) A lurk's like, well, I wouldn't say go by that because it's an odd name, but sure. I think it's because my friends like giving me a nickname. Yeah, that's not really the the thing. But, you know, you remembered names, so I'm going to take it. Yeah. He says, let's not worry about the details right now, okay? It's going to take a little time for your memories to come back. Mind you, he has no idea if that's true. Yeah, he's just assuming it's garden variety amnesia. It's supernatural, and you know the stone is evil. Like, odds are iffy at best. I can't blame him for being in deep denial about it, but it's like, you really think she's just going to wake up and be fine? Yeah. Joe says, oh, this is amazing. Did you make it? 
the food? And he says, no, I've literally never turned on a stove in my entire life. Based off the TV thing and this, it's like she's probably from a a bygone era, let's say. Yeah. So I'm sure she's not had MSG in her life. Oh, yeah. She's like, this is delicious. Can you imagine if you've been eating like salt pork and shit and then you get MSG? Oh, I like shit. You get like MSG loaded pad thai. Uh huh. Yeah, I bet it's good. (laughs) He says it's delivery. It's made somewhere else and then someone drives it over. It's Thai food. It's your favorite. And then she like goes for the meat and he says, well, except for that, that's meat. You don't eat meat. She says, "Mm, why would I not eat meat? And he says, I don't know, girl. He said, that's what I've been saying. And to be fair, she was eating meat when she was pregnant. She was having burger after burger. She was always eating meat. She, that was just something she said. Yeah. And then he says, you know what? Let's open this bottle of wine. It's got to be five in the afternoon somewhere, right? It's like 11 a.m. maybe. Yeah. He said, let's just get you drunk. Like, and look, I know Joe loves wine. But if I have amnesia and I'm still figuring things out, I don't need wine right away. Let's not introduce alcohol to my amnesia, I don't think. Also, you don't know if she's pregnant. It's a question we have not touched on at all. Yeah, that's something he hasn't even thought about. As he's opening the wine, he cuts his hand. I'm really not sure physically how he manages to do this. (laughs) I get that it's a plot point, but it's like, what did you cut your hand on? And you cut your hand on an alcohol bottle? Well, he only drinks bourbon. And and those are sealed with wax. He's like, what the hell is this? And then Joe says, oh, it's not serious. Do you have bandages? I'll wrap it for you. And he says, medicine cabinet above the sink. And she says, be right back. And he smiles. So after this scene, it's clear. I mean, we know later that this is not Joe. Mm -hmm. It's clear they're trying. They give us some clues. But this little like cut at the end is to say like, oh, no, she's a doctor. Remember? So that's a glimpse as to who she was. After this scene, were you thinking this was Joe still? I was. I was this whole time. I started getting suspicious actually very late, pretty much right before they said the situation, if I'm honest. (laughs) I mean, I was very much like this amnesia is weird, but I kind of was taking it as like, whatever, an interesting writing choice because they've been making some interesting writing choices. But I was like, oh, it's weird. She doesn't know what a TV is, but she remembers medicine. But I was like, maybe it's her instincts kicking in. I don't know. Yeah. And I will say we've done amnesia actually quite a bit on this show. Yeah. So in retrospect, it is like, oh, okay, amnesia again. Well, I will say there is a moment when she's looking at his hand after he cut it, where she almost looks at the blood like a vampire does. Yeah. Which I clocked for a second, but then she like moved to the doctor thing. So I was like, okay, I guess I just misread that situation. Mm -hmm. But clearly I didn't. We go over to, you know, a hallway at Whitmore. Caroline is on the phone with Stefan. She says, one makeup exam down two to go. Remind me never to be taken hostage at the beginning of the semester ever again. Yeah, she's putting her work in after she got taken hostage. Even though you were taken hostage, I think you can skip the exams. Yeah, you could compel an A, but she said no. She does it for the love of the game. Mm-hmm. She says, where are you? And Stefan says, some gas station in the middle of nowhere. And Damon from off to the side says, don't worry, Caroline. I have issued a no hanky-panky zone. No former flames will reignite on my watch. Uh-uh, no how. <laughs> He's being goofy. (laughs) He's in a silly little mood today. Well, yeah, because in his mind, everything is going amazing. So he's finally in a happy mood. Stefan says, sorry about that. The fumes are getting to his brain. Listen, I want to take you to dinner tonight. And Caroline says, like a date? Is this because you're feeling guilty for spending the day with your ex? It is. And it is. Uh, So he lies and says, no. 
It's because I realized I haven't actually taken you out yet. Why couldn't you realize that on your own, Stefan? And that's the other thing. Stefan would realize that. Yeah. Stefan is the type to like immediately, you would think they would kiss and he'd be like, let's go on a date. Yes. It's just out of character for him to be like, oh, I realized I haven't taken you on a date. He cooked Elena dinner like immediately. He would at least cook Caroline dinner. Yeah. It's also like, you're literally on a road trip right now. Maybe plan dinner for tomorrow. That's even before, I mean, even before all the bullshit. When he says this tonight, it's like, are you going to get back in time? Even if nothing weird happens, like, again, you don't know Julian's dead right now. You assume you're just going to go kill this guy, burn him, and then come back? Like, you have to stop for gas. It's not a short drive. Yeah. But whatever, he has to do this. Caroline says, well, I'd love that. Honestly, I feel a little bit guilty for pushing you into a car with your brother and your ex who you clearly want nothing to do with. Right? Right. Say it back. He says, don't feel guilty. I needed a push. She says, why? Did she make a move on you? And Stefan says, nothing happened. I just needed to hear that our time together was a lie. And Caroline says, she admitted that? Because Caroline saw the way Valerie talked about Stefan. And she does not believe their time together is a lie. And she's right for that. Yeah, she saw the way Valerie held on to this journal for years. She went for that immediately. That's not someone who is lying. Yeah. And Stefan says, well, she didn't deny it. Stefan. That's not confirmation. Think a little bit critically because... Why would she have an open, honest, frank conversation about your relationship when your brother is making fun of her from the backseat? Yeah. All I ask is a crumb of emotional intelligence. I'm not asking a lot. The thing about Stefan, he is not the type of person that women tend to get over super quickly. He has something that keeps the bitches in his orbit, okay? He's got that it factor. He's got, as the kids say, riz. Je ne sais quoi, as someone classy might say. Yeah. (laughs) Caroline says, are you okay or whatever? (laughs) Stefan says, I will be. Once you tell me what time I'm picking you up tonight. Valerie overhears this and she does not like hearing it. Oh, she she looks like she's going to throw up. (laughs) Caroline says, pick me up at eight. And I like daisies, by the way, in case you wanted to give me flowers. Queen. Love that Caroline likes daisies. I looked up what daisies represent. Oh, would you like to know? I would love to know. Daisies represent purity, innocence, new beginnings, joy, and cheerfulness. I was going to say, I I was pretty sure they were cheerfulness. Yeah. So, Caroline. So, Caroline, as long as they're cute daisies and not ugly-ass Gerber daisies. You better not get Gerber daisies. That's just my opinion on flowers. Yeah, I don't like Gerber daisies. And honestly, to be fair, I don't love daisies. I get their appeal. I wouldn't ask for daisies. I like them in the mix with other things. They shouldn't be on their own unless you want to look like you picked them up on the side of the road. That's me. That's my opinion on daisies as well, but all of, but all love to Caroline. It's cute when Caroline likes them. They're, they're just not my style. I don't have anything against them. I see why people like them. I just don't personally. There are other flowers that if you like them, it's a red flag to me. Daisies, if someone likes daisies, I'm like, cute. What flowers are a red flag to like in your mind? These are all with a grain of salt. But if the only flower you have any connection to is roses, you're basic. Roses are basic, but I still like it. I, no, I like roses, but I, I, well, I have beef with, first of all, I have beef with any flower that is like, like Gerber daisies, like a color that is stupid. Like a bright blue flower, ugly. I agree with that. Unless it's like a naturally like snapdragon-y whatever. I agree unnatural colors are weird to me. I don't know why you'd do that. I don't like those. I, 
uh, yeah, I just I don't care for any pastel rose. I like like a pink, like a pale pink rose. See, I just don't care for them. But, that, but that's like that's not to say people can't like them. And I do like roses; they have their place. But whenever I see someone buying flowers and they only buy roses ever, I'm like, come on, open your mind up. Yes, I I love roses like on rose bushes and at rose gardens. But yes. I do think if you're getting someone flowers, like most people like roses, but if you only ever get roses, it's like. Did you ask if this person has a flower they like? It's just a little lazy. You know, I like knockout roses, smaller roses, a lot of members of the rose family, but classic, like a dozen roses is just a little like lazy. Like, did you get the only flower you've ever heard of in your life? Baby's first bouquet. Yeah. Oh, oh, baby wants a rose. Hmm. (laughs) I think red flag flowers to me, like if a boy came to my door with carnations, I'd be like, oh, so you're poor. See, I like carnations, but- that's because they were the symbol of my sorority. <laughs> it's different. Like most flowers, I'm kind of like, if they're your taste, they're your taste. Flowers that a boy should never bring me. A boy should never bring me roses unless I specifically say I'm in the mood for roses. Yeah. Because they're going to piss me off because you look lazy. Don't piss me off. When it's a boy specifically. When it's a girl, it's like maybe you're in a rose mood, whatever. Or you're like a rose girly. Yeah. Another one, don't bring me any fucking sunflowers. I agree with that. I like sunflowers are another flower that I like in the wild, but I don't necessarily want in my home. It's it's a flower I like. And like if I'm in a sunflower mood, sure. But if you just come with like big ass, thick ass sunflowers, again, do you know no flowers? Yeah. Like I'm I'm a big lily fan. I love daffodils. I love dahlias. I love peonies. I love ranunculus. I like marigolds. Marigolds I love. Violets. I don't like orchids, too much pressure. Yeah, orchids, it's like, it's kind of like doing too much. It's like, wants all the attention. That's my flower soapbox. Yeah. Anyway, but Caroline likes daisies. And Stefan says, see you tonight, and hangs up. Uh, He lies. All men do is lie. Valerie brings out a gas can, and she says, okay, fill this up. And Damon says, there's enough gas in the tank, sassy pants. You're the sassy pants. Well, even if there is enough gas in the tank, like... It never hurts to have a gas can. Yeah. And she says, well, I need an accelerant to burn Julian's body. I don't want to take any chances. And Damon says, aren't you getting a little ahead of yourself? We haven't even killed the guy yet. And she says, are you really that daft? Daft is a fun insult. I was going to say, I love the word daft. (laughs) It sounds so cool. She says, we don't need to kill him. And Damon says, what are you going to do? Charm him to death? And Valerie says, Julian's been dead since 1903. (laughs) Which, Stephanie, you clocked early on. So good on you. I thought we like all knew that. I didn't assume that at first. I I assumed it. So good thing I was right. But I didn't really think that was a guess. I thought that was just like what I was meant to glean. Yeah. So this wasn't a twist to me, but good job on me. Yeah, good job, Stephanie. We go over to the Salvatore house. Bonnie lets herself in. And there is end zone. It's like, oh my God, thank God we're doing this. Because I was worried that, you know, we saw it in the flash forward and then we weren't touching it. Oh, but we touch all of it today. We touch all over it. Benenzo stands, you finally get to eat. It's our first time. Mmm, yummy. Enzo says, I'm afraid this house no longer has an open door policy to the local riffraff. And she says, you're living here, aren't you? Get his ass. Well, and I love, you know, I'm partial to anything enemies to lovers. So of course I'm going to eat this shit up. It's too easy. It's actually kind of a perfect couple because it is a little bit enemies to lovers. But there is a little bit friends to lovers in it too, because we know that Enzo and Damon have been friends and she's friends with Damon. So we know they will get along. Mm -hmm. and they even know they'll get along, but they're being antagonistic because they happen to be on opposite sides. 
I think they're a good match in personality. And they both have been through the absolute ringer. Yes. They both deserve a lot of love and have a lot of love to give. And one thing about Enzo, Enzo loves a black queen. Maggie, Sarah Salvatore, he does not fuck with the white girls. (laughs) Except Lily. Except Lily, which is like, really? Enzo says, shall we spend a few moments catching up before I throw you out? How was your summer holiday? Meet any charming Euro hunks? Says the charming Euro hunk. Literally. (laughs) Please tell me you didn't just follow Damon around with spare bottles of bourbon. She's like, Rick was there too. She's like, well, you know, Damon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She says, I didn't, but it's sweet of you to be concerned about my love life. And he says, well, I do admire your nerve sticking around. And she gives him a little flirty look after that. It's like, oh, they are in it now. Yeah, she does like a twirl and a flirty look. It's it's getting flirty in here, Your Honor. It is. Your Honor. Your Honor, the vibes are coming. <laughs> he says, now me, myself, I'd be flat hunting on the other side of the planet if I were the only thing standing between Damon Salvatore and his everlasting happiness with Elena. And Enzo says, but you know, maybe the danger gives you a thrill. Could be a case of puppy love. And then Bonnie says, see, now I think you're projecting. You're the one sleeping at Lily Salvatore's feet, hoping for some of her good table scraps. Oh, she got his ass. She got him so good. That was that was so gag because it's it's true. All he's getting is scraps and he's barely getting that, by the way. And he's eating them up. Oh, she clocked him so good. Yeah, she gets him. And you know she got him good because he says, okay, good talk. Nice of you to stop by. Yeah, you can tell when Enzo's hurt because he does not continue the conversation because he can't. He shuts it down. He's swallowing his tears. Yeah, he said, I got to go cry later. (laughs) Bonnie says, I need to talk to Oscar. And he says, what about? And she says, which business? Super boring. And he says, yeah, well, I'm afraid Oscar isn't feeling quite like himself today. So maybe another time. All of a sudden, Lucy screams. And Enzo says, bollocks, because he's British. We go to another room. Oscar is feeding on Lucy. And I think it's a different actress than the last time we met Lucy. But I didn't pay a ton of attention to Lucy the first time. I'm not going to lie to you. I assumed they were going to kill her that week. I was like, well, she signed the deed. She's dead. Yeah. Enzo pulls Oscar off and says, you are not supposed to eat the help, mate. Bonnie says, um, hey, can you give her some blood? Enzo gives Lucy some of his blood to heal her. And he compels her. He says, clean yourself up. Take a spa day. Forget all about Mr. Chompers and his very bad manners. I know you're being cutesy, but does compelling work if you're being cutesy? Mr. Chompers was probably enough. Yeah. Bonnie takes this opportunity to go talk to Oscar while Enzo's distracted with Lucy. She says, hey, Oscar, do you remember me? We met in Myrtle Beach. And Oscar says, I have never been to Myrtle Beach. Yeah, he says, why do people keep mentioning Myrtle Beach to me? Which was a clue they gave us last week that this was not Oscar, but... But it was like, well, he was just there recently. The amnesia's recent. That was my justification. Exactly. He says, but I do remember you from that dark room in the basement. You're the one that got me out. And she says, out of where? And he says, I'm hungry. (laughs) When he said out and she said out of where, I was like, oh, we're going to get confirmation of hell. Yeah. That was my thought. You're like, woohoo, here we go. (laughs) Bonnie says, just get a grip on yourself for five minutes and we'll get you more blood. I came to ask you about the Phoenix Stone. And Oscar says, what stone? Why do people keep asking me questions I don't know the answers to? And Bonnie holds up the stone and says, this stone, do you know it? And Enzo clocks it because he's seen a picture of that stone before. Yeah, he was asked to look for that. So he's like, okay. He said, interesting. And Oscar says, you got me out of there. And he points at the stone. Notable that he doesn't know the name of the stone. Yeah. But he saw it, I assume, when he was going in. Let me ask you, how do you think one gets into that stone? I think whoever 
is making these X scars is putting people in. Interesting. What makes you think that? Just because Julian also has the X scar, although we don't see that on Oscar. But Oscar isn't the one who went in there. This vampire who's in Oscar went in. That is true. That is true. So yeah, I think I think whoever that is is connected. A reminder for the listeners, Stephanie thinks that the X scars were done by birds. Do you still think that? You know, I forgot I said that until I listened to the episode. I don't think that, but I don't think it was crazy for me to bring it up. You were clearly pushing me to bring up something Phoenix related, and that was what I got to. Yeah, I was really pushing you to like, you know, coming back to life, not birds. But I was already on resurrection. I know, I know. So of the two things I know about a phoenix, come back to life and bird, I already had covered one, so I went to cover the other. Anyway, so what do you think gives them the X scar? Is it the stone itself? Is it something else? How are these things connected? Is only one person using them? Or is it something that like many people are using? Like what's the what's the T here? Like maybe you if you kill a person in a certain way, it opens the stone or it it puts them in the stone. Maybe the stone like brands them in some way. Okay. And I think it's probably a a small group of people, if not only one person, really interacting with this stone. Although the stone's been in the museum for a long time, so it's unclear. It may be like a a bloodline, a family situation where it's, you know, part of some family lore. Sure. We've also seen these scars open up. Mm -hmm. When does that happen? Is the stone connected to that? I think it's more connected to the person who has the power to put them in the stone. Okay. And maybe it's like a, a situation like the five where, you know, the tattoo show, started showing up when one of the hunters died. Maybe the scar starts opening up when there's a new person connected to the stone in your midst. Okay. Which seems like kind of a, a dead giveaway if, you know, you're trying to hide from your enemies, but maybe they can't control that. Sure. Stefan, Damon, and Valerie have arrived at the destination. And Stefan says, why would Oscar stash Julian's body out here in the middle of nowhere when he could just hand it over to Lily? Valerie says, well, think a little bit critically here, because he knew the moment Lily gets Julian back, the fun's over and everything changes. (laughs) And Stefan says, oh, so you killed him. Makes a lot of sense. Why are you so combative? Well, yeah, why do you have to be rude to her about this? Because, look, I get that you don't fuck with her because she left you on a bench. Like, I'm sorry you got stood up. It happens. But... Don't you think if she wants to kill this guy, she has a reason? I just don't understand why they, like, think that, like, Valerie did it for no reason. You're already suspicious of this guy because you're suspicious of your mother's picker, which you should be. Whatever. He was being combative, obviously, because his feelings are still hurt by Valerie and he's lashing out at her. Mm -hmm. Which I just find, again, out of character for Stefan and stupid. Pull it together. Yeah. And so Valerie says, I told you I have my reasons. And then Stefan says, you know, I was thinking, it's probably a good thing we cut things short. What if I had insulted your driving accidentally and you had no choice but to run a butcher knife through me? We cut things short? You didn't do shit. This is so like when you like turn a guy down and he says, well, you're ugly anyway. Yeah. It's like she dumped you and we already know that you cried over her for like a year. You're not getting the power back here, Stefan. Yeah. And, you know, they're operating on this assumption that Valerie's just killing people for no reason, which I get that you you're assuming that she left you for no reason, which she has not said shit about, by the way. But she's saying she has a reason. You just don't know what it is for Julian. 
And you know she had a reason to kill Oscar. She didn't want Julian out. Damon clocked that already. So it's not like she's doing things willy-nilly. Yeah. Valerie says, well, you know what? It doesn't exactly sound like you've lived the life of a saint either. Clocked his ass. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you know what? I'll give her her flowers when she says something. She clocked him here. I'll give it to Valerie. Yeah. She says, surprise, the world changes people. You must have figured that out by now. And Damon says, hey, lovebirds, quit your bickering. Let's get this campfire started. Yeah, well, they're doing all this. Damon is ripping off like six locks from the store. And he's like, do you guys want to take any of these? Like, anyone want to help? We got a job to do today. They open the door. It's essentially a warehouse full of caskets. And Damon says, casket emporium. How clever. And Valerie says, Oscar and his stupid pranks. And Damon says, so, Lily's still carrying a torch for some moldy old corpse, huh? Valerie says, Lily is determined to reunite Julian's body with his lost soul. But in order to do that, she needs the Phoenix Stone. And Damon says, well, I have never heard of that. Yeah. And Valerie says, yeah, that's funny since you clearly used it on Oscar. Now she did clock him on this. There can't be that many ways to bring people back to life. She's like, I literally pulled Oscar's heart out. Come on. I was there. Damon says, who said we used it on Oscar? And Valerie says, Oscar was dead. You needed something to trade for your girlfriend in the box. So you tinkered around with it and found a temporary solution. But hey, good on you. Whoever you brought back seemed to pull the wool over Lily's eyes. And this is news to Damon because he did not think of it as a temporary solution. Yeah. And she says, like, reunite his lost soul with his body. That is when I started getting suspicious about, oh, how do you get the right soul? Yeah. And Stefan says, what do you mean whoever we brought back? He's like, don't you know that guy? And Valerie says, the Phoenix Stone is stuffed full of old vampire souls. You didn't raise Oscar from the dead, you clods. Another great word. (laughs) She's like, man, you guys really are stupid. She says, you jammed one of those souls into his body. So this is a twist that the Phoenix Stone doesn't connect to the afterlife at all. It's a bunch of souls stuck in there and so by using it they just pulled random souls out of it and this affects both oscar and joe and i just want to say look i didn't guess this (laughs) but my thought process that was blood connected that there were you killed people put their blood in the stone and use that as power not incredibly far off i wouldn't say it's incredibly close either it's closer than the bird guess well (laughs) as far as we know as far as we know (laughs) I haven't counted out the birds yet. Yeah, I'm, I just have to keep it open. You know, it's it's just, it's not that far off. If you need to tell yourself that, that's fine. And that is what I will tell myself. <laughs> I do need to tell myself that, actually. <laughs> and I actually need you to agree with it. <laughs> On mic, please. <laughs> we go outside the warehouse and Damon makes a phone call to Bonnie. He says, hey, how is everything with Professor Frankenstein and his rebooted bride? And I understand calling Bonnie. In this time, you could have just called Rick and told him this. <laughs> this is actually so rude. But he doesn't want to tell Rick. I get it. But like, why would Bonnie? <laughs> yeah. Bonnie says, oh, I think they're doing good. But, you know, she was asleep when I left. I'm not there anymore. Dame says, oh, I'm so glad to hear it. Hey, quick favor. I need you to tell Rick that we made a tiny mistake and that is not his wife. And Bonnie says, what? Bonnie says, what the fuck? Damon says, turns out. The stone doesn't have any magic juice to bring back any old corpse. It's more like a supernatural holding cell for a bunch of lost vampire souls, one of which you shoved into Joe's body. Bonnie says, oh my God, that also means that Oscar is, and Damon says, not Oscar, just a random vampire in a heretic candy shell. Bonnie says, Damon, I came to your house to talk to him about the stone. And Damon says, well, bad idea. Let's cut the combo short. 
call Vic from the car on the way home. And she says, don't put this on me. She says, why am I calling Rick? Damon says, I'm sorry. I'm trying to do this thing where I do right by Elena. And I just don't think she'd want me to crush his spirit like that. She'd want you to tell him the truth, though. That's a very Elena thing to say. Yeah, Elena would say, well, it's going to be hard, but we have to tell him. Mm -hmm. Damon says, let him down gently. And Bonnie says, is this you doing right by Elena or you not wanting to break your BFF's heart? And he says, I think you know. Yeah, he doesn't (laughs) respond at all. And she says, okay, fine, but you owe me. And he says, thank you, Bonnie. He's starting to build up quite a bill. (laughs) He is. He owes her a lot. We go over to the Salvatore house. Enzo comes to Bonnie and says, I found Oscar a few blood bags stashed in the study. Probably expired, but he does not seem picky. (laughs) He's like, that guy is eating whatever. Bonnie says, well, anyway, I got to go. I got to head back to Whitmore. (laughs) She's just going to leave him. (laughs) She's like, I don't want to deal with this. So says, hey, I meant to ask you about, you know, that pretty stone. Where'd you find it? She says, Brock Saras, it was on sale. She's so funny. She's so silly. He says, yeah, that's really funny. Lily's been looking for one just like it. And Bonnie says, yeah, the Bergman was full of them. Should they have more? She's like, damn, that's crazy. Sucks to be her because I have one. And she doesn't. Hope she gets one. Yeah. <laughs> Enzo says, or I could just take this one. And she says, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> she says, pass. <laughs> and then Oscar runs in. He says, I'm not going back in there, by the way. Like, did any of us ask? We weren't talking about you. <laughs> Honestly, we weren't even going to put you back in here. Yeah. First of all, we don't know how. (laughs) Let's open with that. (laughs) I couldn't put you back in here even if I wanted to. We'll quicker kill you. Yeah. He tries to feed on Bonnie, but of course she pushes him off magically, but she does drop the stone in the process. And Oscar says, I'm not going back. Enzo knocks him into a glass table and says, hey, quick question. What the hell is he talking about? Because he's like, that's a weird thing to say. And Bonnie says, let's just say you were right. Oscar's not himself today. (laughs) and then oscar says why does everyone keep calling me oscar my name is not oscar and he he's like had it with this name you know one way to get them to stop calling you oscar is tell them your actual name yeah (laughs) i get like if you come out of this stone and we don't really know what happens in this stone i actually should ask you that when you come out of this stone you might as well pretend to be whoever they say you are because you're alive yeah but he's losing it a little bit. Let me ask. I could ask you another time, but we might as well ask now. What do you think happens when you're in this stone? I actually have a very clear vision of it, which oh, do you? may or may not be right, of course. I'm envisioning it very much like, no, when all those people are sucked up into Jean Jacket. Oh. So it's a lot of screaming. Like, I envision it to be not a happy place at all. Sure. You know, the flashes that, that Bonnie got, I'm kind of assuming... That's kind of the situation. So it's just like constant. Crowded, bloodiness. Okay. Pain. No matter how long you're in there. Yeah. Okay. And maybe some people dissociate, like whoever's inside Joe. And this guy did not dissociate. He's been feeling it this whole time. Yeah. In Oscar's anger, a bunch of lights burst. And he says, oh my God, did I do that? I'd be like, no, that was me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I did that. I did that to scare you. Don't try it. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but then he crashes something else. He realizes he has magic. It's like, oh, it's like, oh, I wish he didn't figure that one out. <laughs> Bonnie says, OK, run. And she runs. But Enzo picks up the Phoenix Stone before he follows her. Yeah. We go over to Rick's apartment. Rick is none the wiser. He thinks he's there with his wife. Yeah. No one has called Rick yet. And they won't for some time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is OK, because Joe doesn't seem to be particularly like Oscar seems quite angry, I guess. Yeah. 
Joe seems pretty chill until she finds the gun. But I mean, you should lock a gun up regardless. That's just a lesson. Yeah. Rick says, hey, you want to get some fresh air? Like maybe a walk through campus will stir something. Joe is holding a gun in her hand. And he says, hey, what are you doing? Yeah, that should be in a safe, Rick, not in a shoebox. Yeah, not in a box with your wife's bloody wedding dress. Weird vibe. To commemorate the night uh, when you almost killed yourself. Yeah. Joe says, hey, what happened to me? Because she sees the bloody wedding dress. And she says, this was mine, wasn't it? Rick says, that's your wedding dress. The hospital asked me if I wanted to save it. And she says, what happened to me? And he says, long story short, your brother had a lifelong vendetta against you. He stabbed you, and I couldn't get you to the hospital in time. There's no rushing to the hospital there. <laughs> Which, you know, she. it seemed like she suddenly died. It's not like I'm calling him negligent. Yes, she died by the time he was able to get her to the car. I mean, like, no one was rushing her to the hospital. Yeah. They certainly were rushing Elena to the hospital, though. <laughs> yeah. But whatever. But Elena was still breathing. Yes. Joe says, so what happened? And Rick says, I'm going to explain everything when you're feeling better. It's going to make a lot more sense. And she says, why wouldn't it make sense now? And he says, because it's crazy, Joe. It's the craziest thing either of us have ever been through. And that is saying something. And she says, oh, my God, I remember. I was stabbed. I was stabbed in the heart. And he says, no, not the heart. He said, almost. (laughs) He came at you from behind, and I didn't see him until it was too late. She says, no, I was stabbed in the heart. So no, I actually remember this. And he says, Joe, calm down. Everything's going to be okay. And she points the gun at him and she says, no, don't touch me. Stay away from me. And she leaves. So look, not only did you have the gun just in a box, you left the bullets in it. Well, we don't even know if he did because she doesn't even know how to use it. But we have to assume he did because otherwise he wouldn't be scared of it. That's a good point. We go back over to the casket warehouse. They're all looking through the caskets. And Stefan says, again, he's being so vindictive. And it's like, can you just look through the caskets? Uh, He says, you know, we got Nora to siphon that repulsion spell you put on Caroline, just in case you were wondering. And Valerie says, I'd forgotten all about that. Valerie's like, please don't bring that up. Now it feels embarrassing. And she's like, it's clear what my motivations were here. That's the other thing. It's like, you think she doesn't care about you at all, but she put the spell on Caroline? How does that make any sense? Why do you think she put the spell on Caroline? Honestly, honestly, a, a crumb of critical thought from you, Stefan, would go a long way. Yeah. Stefan says, why'd you do it? I mean, you couldn't have been worried about Caroline's safety. First of all, Valerie could say she was. <laughs> she could just say, I don't really like Nora and Mary Louise, and I didn't want them to torture her. I don't really give a fuck about Caroline, but like, I don't fuck with them. Yeah, but Valerie is tired of being antagonized by Stefan when all she did was be pregnant Yeah, which she already got beat up for. Yeah. She doesn't need to be like yelled at about it too. So she says, what do you want me to say? Because I'm pure evil, because I like seeing people suffer. And he says, if that's the truth, then yeah. And she says, well, I'm not a horrible person. He says, really? Well, then who are you? You turned my life upside down. You leave, you show no remorse. And then you go after my girlfriend. I'm sorry, did she turn your life upside down? Well, and he says this, like this all happened within like a short period. Most of those events occurred 200 years ago. Yeah. So it's weird that you still care about them. And also, you go after my girlfriend. I mean, your mother went after your girlfriend. She just was on the torture squad. Whatever. Valerie says, you know nothing about me. And then Stefan finds a casket that won't open. He says, this one won't open. I also have to notice it's not on any of the shelves. Why didn't we check this one first? Why don't we check the one that's sticking out? That's what I would have done. Valerie says, it must be spelled shut. 
She siphons the spell off of it. She opens it. She finds Julian in the casket. He is not gray and veiny, by the way. And we can see on his chest, there's a familiar scar, mm-hmm. which you did notice. I did notice, yes. At first, you didn't say anything. I was like, oh my gosh, you didn't even notice that. Well, I didn't notice it in this scene, honestly. That's fair. It's hard to notice in this scene. There's like a hole in his shirt where it is. But I, you know, I noticed it later, obviously, when it was pretty possible to miss. Damon says he doesn't look dead to me. And Valerie says his body's been preserved with magic. As soon as she said this, I was like, oh, like Elena. But I didn't connect that to Miss Lily. Yeah. Valerie spits on him. Serve. Yeah. Damon says he's a lot better looking than our old man. I'll give mom that. Damon said at least she got a hotter one. He said game respect game. (laughs) Valerie pours the gasoline on him and says, okay, move unless you want to burn to a crisp alongside him. She says incendia and a fire flashes, but it doesn't catch. Mm -hmm. And so that's a red flag. And Damon says, should we get a match or something? Valerie says, I don't understand. And then Nora and Mary Louise appear because they were in Visiquade, as the Geminis love to be. Of course. Damon says, of course. Guess it isn't a party until the mean girls show up. Damon said, damn, you guys got here fast. (laughs) Mary Louise says, look who's in a heap of trouble. And Nora says, what's Lily going to say? And Mary Louise says, let's ask her. Hey, Lily, we found Valerie. She's over here trying to kill the love of your life. Lily approaches with Bo, the return of Bo. I was excited to see him. You know, I'm a Bo stan. Yeah, one thing about you. (laughs) Lily looks at Julian's body and she smiles. And Valerie looks scared because she's like, yeah, I didn't want to be caught doing this. Lily closes the casket and says, girls, I'll meet you in the car. I need a minute alone with Valerie. Nora and Mary Louise go with Julian's body. And Lily says, you may have stolen Oscar's phone, but you left something behind in his pocket. It's a ring. Lily says, Oscar always did covet Julian's ring. Bo found him easily with a locator spell. Why would you do this? And Valerie says, Lily, I'm just going to lay it out for you, queen. He's a monster. Bringing him back will only make things worse. Yeah, she's like, fine, you're going to make me say it? I'll say it. Yeah. Lily says, so you go behind my back with my own sons to destroy. First of all, Stephanie and Damon are like, oh, she called us her sons. Yeah, it's like, oh, now they're your sons. When it's offensive to you. With my sons, who I hate. (laughs) Valerie says, well, it's not like you listen to me. You were so blinded by your love for him. It's like no one else exists. And then Lily slaps Valerie across the face. This is your family that you love so much. This is the family you love so much that you fought so hard to get out. And you're just going to slap her. Well, and you're not even going to like listen a little bit to Valerie. Because I understand that like you're in love with Julian. You have a long history with Valerie. Don't you wonder where this is coming from a little bit? In your knowledge of Valerie, do you know her as someone who would lie? I would guess no. Yeah. That was why she slaps her because she doesn't want to listen to reason. Uh, Stefan says, hey, we get it. You're angry. And Lily says, whatever lies Valerie's told you, that's all they are. And Damon says, well, actually, she's been super vague on the details. (laughs) Like, she hasn't really told us anything. Damon's like, I would love some more information. If you could share it, that'd be great. Damon says, I mean, mass murderer, homicidal maniac, typical run-of-the-mill bad guy stuff. But before we hand him over, do you mind telling us what we're missing here? Who is this, really? And Lily says, this man is the love of my life. The one I didn't think I deserved. The one I fought for, waited for. The one I told myself I could change for. He makes me better, Damon. You know anything about that? So she's basically like, he's my Elena. 
Yeah. The guy who beat up a woman so hard that she lost her baby. Yeah, Lily, I don't think you knew Elena all that well. And also, this whole monologue, no information. Yes. No information about Julian from that. Yeah, literally. All you basically said was you're in love with him, which is clear. Which we knew. It's just like, girl. But Damon falls for this immediately because he's on a doing right by Elena kick. So he says, I know a thing or two about that. Lily says, okay, then we are through here. Oh, I guess Nora and Mary Louise didn't take his body earlier. My bad. Bo gets ready to take Julian's body. And Valerie says, Bo, please don't. He'll ruin us. And Bo just wheels the casket away. And Valerie says to Stefan and Damon, she's playing you. He didn't make her better. If anything, he made her vindictive and cruel. Which, like, Stefan and Damon are like, we don't really care if she gets this guy or not. Well, and Stefan and Damon are like, how are we meant to know which one of you is telling the truth? We don't really trust any of you. And also, she's never been nice to us. Yeah. Before she met Julian or after. So what are we supposed to know what Julian did for her? Well, and they're like, and really, another vampire coming back? We can kill him in a second. We're more worried about y'all. Yeah. And Stefan says, what's that supposed to mean? And Valerie says, who do you think gave Kai the idea to put Elena in that sleeping beauty coma? And Lily is pissed that this got dropped. Yeah. And Damon says, who? Who do you think, Damon? Why else would she bring it up right now? Who, Bo? Come on. (laughs) Valerie says, Lily. And look, we talked recently about after Damon killed Malcolm, Lily kidnapping Elena you were like, that's an overreaction. I was like, that's a normal reaction. This is an overreaction because Valerie says she wanted to make you pay for refusing to help rescue us from the prison world. Mind you, at this point, she's talking to Kai, who got them out. Yeah. So she's making them pay after she already got her family back by putting Elena in a coma. You know, we were under the impression that Kai did this to get revenge on Bonnie. Kai's plan was probably just to kill Bonnie. And Kai was probably heard this plan and was like, well, can we link her life to Bonnie's as well? And she was like, sure. Lily's like, I don't give a fuck. I just want to harm my sons. The thing about this that is truly dastardly, because it's fucked up regardless. Yes. But you have the love of your life in a coffin yourself. You know how bad that hurts. And you're just going to do that to your son? Doing that for not releasing them from the prison world. Julian wasn't even in the fucking prison world. So like... It's not like she's doing it to get Julian out. She's doing it to get these people out. And she doesn't even seem to like Valerie all that much, let's be honest. Yeah. It's just, oh, it's evil, evil. Like, she's just rude. Yeah. And again, like, Kai, I get why Kai wanted revenge on Bonnie. Even though, am I going to side with Bonnie? Always. Yeah. But I get why Kai wanted Bonnie dead. Lily, this was an insane overreaction. She hates her sons so much for no reason the worst thing we can tell that damon did was break a vase one time over time i've given lily the benefit of the doubt because you know i do want to sympathize with her i always want to sympathize with the villain i always want to sympathize with the character but also because like there is something to be said about like motherhood is a complicated feeling just because you become a mother doesn't mean you lose yourself and i think lily had you know has that pull and i also think that like I've made the argument before, like, Lily had such a hard time with her self-esteem because of Giuseppe. She can't help but see her sons as a reflection of Giuseppe. Mm -hmm. And so I understand that. But she hates them beyond, like, what makes any sense. And also to hate them because of what they are to Giuseppe and then to not see 
Julian's abuses for what they are, which, you know, again, we've only heard them from Valerie so far, but it's hard not to believe them at this point. Yeah. It's just like, girl, get it together. Yeah. You're beefing with your sons who have not done anything to you. Especially because, again, when she died, what was Stefan, 10? Yeah. There's no reason to be acting like this. It's craziness. So Damon immediately runs to Lily and says, screw Julian, I'll kill you. Which he should just kill her right at this moment. We've had enough. <laughs> I've been saying she needs to die. Yeah. It's it's over. So Bo magically pushes Damon off Lily, of course. And then Bo explodes the coffins on Damon, Stefan, and Valerie. Wood explodes everywhere. Cool move by Bo. Love it. Yeah. Another Bo slay as he, as he is wont to do. We go over to the Salvatore house. Enzo and Bonnie go into a room. Oscar is like crashing things around, learning how magic works. And Bonnie says, Vis Porta, which, you know, it's a spell on the door. And Enzo says, wait, you're spelling the door? I thought you were leading us to a secret passageway. <laughs> the Salvatores, when they finally get this house back, everything's going to be fucking broken. I know. <laughs> no more cut crystal, no more vases, no nothing. <laughs> Bonnie says, you watch too much Scooby-Doo, which I love to picture Enzo watching Scooby-Doo. Oh, I know he loves Scooby-Doo. He loves that show. He said, they made a live action one? Hold on. (laughs) He said, no, this casting is flawless. He said, that dog gets him every time. (laughs) Bonnie says, maybe he'll tire himself out and we can just walk out the front door. And Enzo says, or I could jump out that window. Will you fend for yourself? Bonnie says, but first of all, give me that stone back. He's like, oh, suddenly you remember the stone? (laughs) And Enzo says, well, first, tell me why it's so special. And Bonnie says, look, it's some kind of trap for a bunch of souls. If Lily wants it, someone she cares about must be inside. And Enzo says, Julian. He looks at him. You can tell he wants to destroy the stone. He's like, Julian's in here. (laughs) And Bonnie says, great, because we need another heretic running around here. And Enzo says, he's not a heretic. He's just a long lost vampire boyfriend. And Bonnie says, oh, then you definitely don't need it. Do you really want to hand her the means to bring the dead boyfriend back into the picture? Have some dignity. She said, at least stop that. She got his ass so good. Yeah, she, she's got his number. Yeah, and Enzo says, what makes you think I want romantic advice from a lovelorn witch? And she says, I'm just saying, maybe you deserve better. This is the first time anyone has ever said this to Enzo. Yeah, in his entire life. And, and you can see it all over his face. He's like, I've literally never considered that. Yeah. That's never crossed my mind once. But he doesn't have too long to reflect on that and fall immediately in love because there's a sound that we know is kind of siphony sounds. And Enzo says, I think Oscar just learned how to siphon. <laughs> yeah, because you assume he's just hitting the door and he's like, hey. He's like, oh, hold on now. Oscar breaks in and grabs Bonnie by the neck and says, where's the stone? And Bonnie says, he has it about Enzo. And she leaves because she's like, he does. <laughs> he's got it. You, he wanted it so bad. We go back over to the casket warehouse. Damon and Stefan wake up. They've got wood in their bodies. Damon pulls a stake out and Stefan calls out for Valerie a little bit too emotionally, might I add. Yeah, I wouldn't want Caroline hearing it. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say about that. Stefan says, you okay? And Damon says, yeah, I'm fine. And Damon is still very angry. And Stefan says, whatever you're thinking, we're not going to do that. And Damon says, I think I should rip her heart out and bronze it like a trophy. And I have to agree with Damon here. Yeah, he's right. We've given her enough chances, I think. Yeah. Stefan says she's still our mother. Barely. Yeah. Ask her, would she say that? Like, yeah, she is still technically your mother, but she has no interest in you. Yeah. Damon says, exactly. Our mother is the reason Elena's in that box while the world passes her by. 
And Stefan says, I know, I get it. Just remember, you're turning over a new leaf. And Damon says, yeah, screw the new leaf. She stole Elena from me and every ounce of happiness I've ever known. I'm not going to let her just walk away from that. And this is fair. Yeah, I have to agree with him there. Stefan says, we're not going to let her walk away from that, I promise. But right now, I need to find Valerie. Why? Why is that your top priority? You don't like her. You don't really want to hang out with her, do you? You can leave her in this warehouse. She can take care of herself. Leave her like she left you on the bench. Exactly. I was going to say, as far as you know, she hates your ass. So why would you go get her? I know it's because he's a good person and he doesn't want her to die. Fuck off. Sometimes some people need to be left to die. That's true. Stefan says, just tell me you're fine and you're not going to do anything stupid. And Damon says, I'm fine. I'm okay. But he doesn't say he's not going to do anything stupid. He's like, I'm not going to make that promise. Yeah. Please. (laughs) Stefan says good and Damon goes. Because the overreaction of Lily putting Elena to sleep, I do think killing her is a fair reaction to that. I agree. If anything, I would do even worse. If I were Damon, I'd kill her and her whole fucking family. Yeah, I'd kill her family in front of her and then kill her. Yeah, that's what I do. Load her with Vervain, tie her up, lock her in a dungeon, one by one, bring her family down and kill them in front of her and then kill her at the end. Yeah. And say, yeah, you couldn't do anything to stop it because you're a horrible mother. Rip the heart out. Done. Easy. Figure out what the Phoenix Snow does. Put her in there. Yeah, put her in there. If it's bad enough. Yeah. We go over to the Salvatore house. Oscar throws Enzo into the wall and says, give me the stone. Enzo picks up some scissors and throws them into Oscar's neck. Oscar pulls them out. Enzo picks up the stone and he says, here, go fetch. And he throws the stone. Like an idiot, Oscar goes for the stone. Enzo grabs a stake. He grabs it very sexily, I should say. Yeah, it is. It is sexy alert. And he stakes Oscar. And Oscar tries to fight back, but he does die. And then Enzo takes the stone back and says, finders keepers. Everything's coming up Enzo, finally. Yeah, Enzo, it's finally turned around for him. I think this is probably the best it's looked for him future-wise in maybe his entire life. Yeah, honestly. Enzo's had a rough go. I love Enzo. I know I've been hurt on him, but I love him. I I know you do. I love him more. Yeah, you do. (laughs) I'm not going to fight you for that. You do. (laughs) We go back to the casket warehouse. Stefan finds Valerie. He's a little bit too happy about it, if you're asking me. Yeah, he's a little bit too concerned, even though it's just a bunch of toothpicks in her. I think she'll be fine. Yeah. He says, don't move. I'm going to get these out. And Valerie says, well, it's pointless. If Lily doesn't kill me, Julian will. I don't know that he will. I don't really think Julian's going to give much of a fuck. I feel like if he kills her, it just proves what she said. But I also think Lily's not buying what any of this is anyway. So, yeah. Stefan says, maybe it's pointless, but I'm not the type to leave someone hanging. And I get this is a dig at Valerie. But Stefan, less than a year ago, you moved to Savannah and literally left all of your friends hanging. I was going to say, I was going to say. You've done it before, King. I'm so sorry. And the summer you left everybody hanging when you selfishly sat in the safe. I'm just kidding. I know. (laughs) It is like, Stefan, if anything... Doesn't that make you think, you know what, maybe people are more complex. And Stefan is kind of like, this is what helps him compartmentalize, is he is a very black and white thinker. Yeah. That he's like, if someone abandoned me, they don't love me. But haven't you learned in your life that like people are a little bit more complex than that? Just in your own experience, you're more complex than you ran to Savannah because you, you know, whatever, didn't love people. But whatever. But he just wants to get a dig in. And honestly, Valerie can't hold that over him because she doesn't know he did that. So Yeah. Well, and he might as well get a dig in while she's laying there with 
toothpick center. She has to listen. Yeah. She says, you just couldn't help yourself, could you? And then she says, you know, if I had known how deeply you'd hate me, I would have acted differently. And he says, I don't hate you. Clearly you fucking do. You've got big emotions. You've got strong feelings either way, which is too close to love if you're feeling this strongly, I feel. Exactly. He says, I just wanted to know the truth. And now I do. You never asked her for the fucking truth. Yeah. She says, it's not the truth, actually, Stefan. The truth is, I was coming back for you. And he says, what happened? Missed your train? Let her talk. You just said you want the truth. Finally, you asked for it. She's clearly starting to tell you the truth. And now you won't even let her say it. Like, don't interrupt. A woman is speaking. Yeah. She says, Julian caught me trying to leave. He was desperate to get Lily to Europe, and he knew I'd be a distraction. And Stefan says, well, why would you be a distraction? And she says, well, I was going to tell you. She said, well, I was teeing up the answer to that very question. So thanks. If you could believe it. If you could keep your mouth shut for two fucking seconds. She says, I was pregnant. She says, I wanted to tell you in person. I felt ridiculous. We spent so little time together for me to end up pregnant. I just wasn't sure if, and the implication is like, if you would want me to keep the baby. Or if you would care about me, whatever. Yeah. She says, but Julian had already found out. And he made sure there was nothing to tell. And Stefan says, what did he do to you? She says, he made sure it wasn't a problem anymore. Read between the lines, Stefan. There are so many points in this episode where it's like, he asks questions. It's like, just think for a second. You didn't need to ask it explicitly, which I know they're telling us explicitly. Although we saw her get beat up. So we don't really need that. She says, he knew I wouldn't be able to look you in the eye and tell you. So I left with them. I kept it a secret all these years. And I'm so sorry. Again, I don't know. I get that the Stefan we know cares about people and logic follows that then he would want a baby. Mm -hmm. Stefan does not seem like he would want a child. Yeah, at least not then. Like, I guess maybe then is the only time he would even think about it. But I think he would look back and be like, you know what? That worked out. Yeah, again, retroactively, like, I understand feeling like, oh, my God, I didn't know I could have had a son. Again, all the love in the world. And Valerie's the one who's allowed to be traumatized by this still, because hello. But all the love in the world, Stefan, baby's been gone for 200 years. You were never going to have it. And retroactively, that baby would have had, at best, an awful life if it met Giuseppe and then Catherine. Yeah. And here's the thing. Like, I can understand... Even Valerie, like, still holding on to love and care for Stefan. Because though she did meet him in, like, the 1860s and there were still 40 years before the prison world, like, I'm sure in 100 years in the prison world, you look back on any relationship you have and you over-romanticize them. Exactly. And I'm sure she thought a lot about, like, this potential baby. And I'm guessing Julian and Lily were not exactly encouraging Valerie to date. Yeah. Because that's not what they were doing when she went to Stefan. Julian actively tried to stop it. And the trauma of losing a baby, I imagine, sticks with you for a very long time. And again, Valerie was stuck in the prison world with really nothing to think about except all that. And she's in Stefan's house. She can read his journals. And she also can't talk about the baby with anyone in this house because the only person who knew was Julian. She couldn't tell any of them because they would tell Lily. Yes. And I mean, honestly, do I think during her time in the prison world, maybe that's a good time to tell Lily? Yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah, but what's done is done. All that to say, I can understand Valerie still having care and, you know, conflicting love feelings. Stefan, there's no reason for him to feel any of that. 
Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing that I think is A, more in character and B, more interesting is for Stefan's experience to be, I don't have the same feelings I had for her, but I do feel the need to take care of her. Or like make it up to her in some way. And that will still cause enough tension between him and Caroline without it being like, it doesn't really ring true. The thing that I think of, I know we talk about Pretty Little Liars so much on this fucking podcast. If you don't, if you're listening to this and you don't watch Pretty Little Liars, watch it. But I'm going to spoil something. It's like when Ezra learns he has a son mm-hmm. and it's not, you know, his son, spoiler. Um, but <laughs> that's an interesting relationship to look at because it's not that he doesn't care, but he's learning to care in the way he should. And I think that's a more interesting and again, on per in-character reaction for Stefan, who feels responsible for taking care of people who feels like a murder, mm-hmm. rather than him holding a torch for Valerie, which I don't think makes sense because he's very good at closing the chapter on women when he's done with them. Yeah. Even Elena, who, like, yes, he did have an issue with Elena for a while, but she did hook up with his brother, and all things considered, he closed the book on Elena relatively fast. Yeah, he handled that pretty well overall. Yes. I can understand feeling, like, guilt of, like, I can't believe I sent you back to that situation. I've been blaming you all these years when you were in a bad situation. I'll help you avoid Julian. You can whatever, stay with us so you don't have to interact with Julian because now that I know you've been through this, blah, blah, blah. Those things all make sense. Him being like seemingly touched by this or being like, I wish I had this baby. You know, there is a fairness to like, oh, I wish I had the chance to have this baby. I had the choice, whatever this happened. I had the chance to make a decision, yeah. But- You don't get to be mad at Valerie about that. Yeah. Because Valerie was ready to have this baby. So like you getting on her ass about that is not fair to her. And I understand that like him having feelings for Valerie brings a friction. And again, we need to create issues with couples because it's not interesting to see couples happy together. I get that they're doing that for Caroline. But the issue of having Stefan have this conflicting care for Valerie would still cause the same issue especially if Valerie's living at the Lockwood house, which clearly is the plan, it would cause the same friction for Sterling because let's face it, all the love in the world to Caroline, that's my girl. It would make her insecure. Yeah, because that's that's her thing. It would make anyone insecure. It would make any person insecure, but particularly Caroline. And I think that would cause friction without Stefan actually having like clear feelings for Valerie, which they're clearly trying to make us believe he does. Yeah. Which again, out of character. It would be just as uncomfortable of a situation for Stefan to be like, I don't have feelings for her, but I have a level of care and want to like make make it up to her that she went through this because that will still read his feelings to Caroline as an insecure person. So it's the same effect on Caroline and the effect on Sterline without this bullshit. Yeah. We go over to the Salvatore house. Oscar is now dead. Gray and veiny and all. Enzo explains to Lily. Because Lily's there. Lily disappears and a heretic dies. (laughs) Yeah. Enzo explains, Oscar died two nights ago when Valerie killed him. And this all makes sense because now Lily has decided that Valerie is evil and betrayed them. Yeah. Enzo says, I'm pretty sure Damon and Bonnie brought him back with this, the Phoenix Stone. He says, I suspect they didn't get it quite right, though. He went mad, tried to kill me. And Lily says, oh, it wasn't him. The soul in the stone needs to be reunited with the proper body. Where did you get this stone? Enzo says, here's a question. Why would Valerie throw away everything? Her family, your respect, her livelihood, just to keep Julian away from you? This is a question Lily should be seriously considering. Yeah. 
why would Valerie lie about this? She gives up so much more by turning against Julian than she does by just going with it. So don't you think she has a reason? Yeah, don't you think there's a big risk of you bringing Julian back that would cause that? Because you know how you feel about this family, that you want to be with them so bad you fucking ruined your son's relationship with his true love. Why would she ruin that relationship that clearly means a lot to all of you on a lie? That doesn't make any sense. And you've known Valerie for many years. She has never, I mean, we don't know all of their history, obviously, Mm -hmm. but it does not seem that Lily has ever known Valerie to be a liar. Or to be vindictive. She knows Nora and Mary Louise to be a little bit vindictive, but she knows Valerie to be reasonable. It's worth pointing out when she first went into that warehouse to find them, the two names she called were Malcolm and Valerie. That implies that Valerie is pretty high ranked to her. And it's also even worth pointing out that when she sent people in her family to check on her sons before going to Europe, she sent Oscar and Valerie. Mm -hmm. Probably who she perceived to be the most level-headed of the group. She didn't send Nora in. Yeah. Let's just say that. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) Lily doesn't do any critical thinking on the matter. Yes, this is something she's not considering, and she won't. Lily says, well, according to Valerie, I'm too blinded by his charms to see his flaws. Anyway, give me the stone. Anyway, I don't see any flaws, so that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, girl, hop right past it. Enzo says, I won't stand idly by while you reawaken some bloke who may or may not have complete control over you. Lily says, call it what you will. Devotion, control. I call it love. Girl. Okay. Oh my God. (laughs) If that's what you want to call it. And she says, so if you're asking me to choose between you and Julian, and Enzo says, yeah, that's exactly what I'm asking. And he holds up the stone. She touches his face, and then she really quickly takes the stone. She says, please understand. She doesn't even think about this choice. She says, Julian. She says, I think we all know my answer. Why waste time pretending it's not the answer that it is? And so he goes. We go over to the grill where Bonnie is drinking alone, and she makes a call to Rick. Rick is at Skullbar, and he picks up the phone, and he says, hey. And Bonnie says, hey, are you with Joe? And he says, no, she freaked out a little bit. Honestly, I could really use your help looking for her, actually. And Bonnie says, I'm not going all the way over there. It's not her, Rick. It's not Joe. Yeah, she's like, so I have to do this over the phone, but I plan on getting drunk tonight, so I'm just going to do this now. (laughs) Rick says, what are you talking about? Bonnie says, we made a mistake. The stone does not bring people back from the dead. It's just an old relic full of souls. And (laughs) Rick says, Bonnie. That is my wife. I know who I'm looking at, okay? She just needs a little bit of time to adjust. And Bonnie says, no, the thing is, Rick, no, it is not her. Joe was never in that stone. I put someone else in her body. I'm so sorry. Where are you? I'm meeting up with Damon. We can come by and figure this out together. And Rick says, I gotta go. And hangs up. And Bonnie's like, okay, that's enough of that today. She said, more bourbon for me. Because he has spotted Joe. She's across the street from Skullbar looking in a window at her reflection. And she's still holding the gun by the way. Yeah. Just right by a college campus holding a gun out in plain sight. Okay. Okay, lady. Rick says, hey, I just want to talk. She gives him the gun and she says, you know, I realized I have no idea how to use that thing. So, (laughs) and then she says, nothing about this world is familiar to me. Not you, not any of this, not even my own reflection. And Rick says, you're not my wife. Rick says, well, unfortunately, that makes quite a bit of sense. Yeah. (laughs) She says, no, I don't think I am. 
but if I'm not Joe, who am I? And he says, I don't know, but you're not alone. I'll help you and we'll figure this out together, okay? They hold hands and walk. So what do you think is next for Rick here? Alaric seems to be like, I can fix her. He says, well, she'll do. (laughs) I fell in love with her once. I'll just try this one instead. Do you think that's what's going to happen, that he's essentially going to fall in love with this woman? Or do you think they're going to come to like an understanding? Because again, we've been to the time jump. We see three years in the future. He's got toddlers. Mm -hmm. So it stands to reason that Joe or not Joe, faux Joe, Mm -hmm. is going to have these babies. Do you think that's what we're heading towards here? I think we're heading towards her having the babies, but I don't think they'll be in love. Okay. Necessarily. I think it'll be, you know, a caring situation that he's helping her, but like, it would be weird to just fall in love with her again. It would be weird, wouldn't it? But that is kind of a lurk's bag is dumb shit. I think if a woman who looked like Isabel came up with him, he'd fall in love with her too. I mean, yeah, he does seem to fall in love with the nearest age appropriate woman. Yeah. All the love in the world to Jenna and Meredith fell, but that's kind of what they were at the time. Yeah. And even Joe. I mean, I think they could fall in love. But you think it'll more be like co-parenting? I don't even know if co-parenting, because I don't know that she would have a connection to these kids. Oh, do you think do you think she'll stick around after the kids get born? Or do you think he'll be like a single dad? I think the only two options that I see as reasonable are she has the babies and leaves. He's a single dad or they're in love. Okay. Like, I don't think there's any, we're not in love, but we're co-parenting. I don't think we're doing that. Do you think we'll find out who she is or was prior to getting caught in the Phoenix Stone? Do you think we'll find out more about her, what her real name is? Yeah, I think we'll get some information because I do think in a lurk, you know, whatever, helping her through this, I think a lot of that is figuring out who she was. And I think we will start to unpack some of the people that ended up in the Phoenix Stone because I think, you know, with Julian obviously coming from the Phoenix Stone. I think it'll it'll open up that question of who who else is in this stone. And are they connected to each other? Joe seems so, like to not know about modern things at all. So did they all go in the stone in 1903? Were, they, were there people going in before that? Were there people going in after that? We know it's from the Maritime Museum. It sunk with the ship or in the ship or whatever. So we have to assume the last people that went in were 1903. But hard to say. Interesting. I guess we'll see what is in store for these two. Mm-hmm. We go to Caroline's dorm at Whitmore. She's on the phone with Stefan and she says, hey, not to be a pessimist, but how late do you think you're actually going to be? Should I move the reservation to nine or? And he says, actually, I'm still in Mystic Falls. So Mystic Falls is now far away from Whitmore again. Yeah. Okay, fine. Sure. <laughs> she says, oh, or to tomorrow or next week. Um, I'm going to kill him. At least say, no, let's just do tomorrow. Just say, I'm still in Mystic Falls, let's do tomorrow. He says, I'm sorry, you better be, you piece of shit. She says, it's okay. It's not. This is like true Caroline growth because she's like, he's going to figure it out. I trust him. But she's also like, okay, I mean, you do need to meet me halfway here. Yeah. He says, things got complicated. And she says, oh, I know. Bonnie told me how the stone actually works. Alaric must be devastated. Stefan says, I'm sure he is. I haven't talked to him. (laughs) Stefan says, sure, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not going to give any more information. He says, listen, I promise I'll make tonight up to you, okay? Already before this, he should have given her more information about what exactly was complicated, what exactly is holding him up. Yeah. 
I get that maybe he wants to tell her another day. I think it's probably tell her in person or he doesn't know what he's feeling yet. But unfortunately, you do have to talk about your feelings to figure them out. Yeah. She says, is there anything else monumental I should know about? And he says, no, nothing. So that's just a full lie. I'm going to fucking kill you because I just feel as though I get that Valerie, like this is a very personal thing for Valerie and she doesn't want like everybody to know about that. Unfortunately, because Stefan is involved, Stefan's girlfriend is also involved. And I'm not saying he has to tell Caroline every detail, but I think he needs to say, listen, I need to get this off my chest. I really feel like I need to let you in on this. When I think he, even right now, he doesn't have to get into all of it right now because obviously this kind of information he wants to talk about in person, particularly the pregnancy part of it. Yeah. I think it's worth being like, well, you know, since you asked if something monumental happened, at least you should have brought this up before. But she asked this to be like, you know, smoothing things over with Valerie has is harder than I expected. I got some more information from her that's just stressing me out. Can we talk about it tomorrow at when we're, you know, together? Or even like, you know what? I'm not going to make dinner tonight, but I'll be there in about an hour or however far Mr. Falls is. Yeah. Like set Valerie up at the Lockwood house and say like, I'll come to you. I do have something I need to tell you about. Yeah, because why are you staying with Valerie? She's fine. She's okay. But it just pisses me off. And this is, again, I just think totally out of character for Stefan to choose Valerie over Caroline after everything. I get that she wants to keep the pregnancy a secret and he wants to be supporting her, but that's not even really what he's doing. He's mostly here to be mad at her. And I get that Valerie wants to keep the pregnancy a secret again, but the people who she wants to keep it a secret from are the heretics. Caroline's not telling the heretics shit. I think it's fair to ask him to not tell Lily or the heretics and he'll be like, great. And she could even say, I really don't want you to tell your brother because I don't, I want few people to have this information, but he has to tell Caroline this. Well, and also, unfortunately, again, Valerie, I feel for the trauma you're feeling. Stefan is as much a person who experienced this as much as possible. He can tell whoever he wants. Yeah. And he should. He should tell his brother and he should tell Caroline. Well, because especially like if he's feeling strongly about this and like sorting through feelings and especially from the outside, trying to show care and respect for Valerie and work through those feelings with Valerie, because, you know, that's the person who understands them because it's the same situation. Caroline deserves to know why those feelings are making him hang out with another girl. Yeah. It's just something that she needs to know. And this is why I understand why people have a hard time shipping Steriline. Even as a Steriline shipper, it is hard to get through this because why is this the complication we're giving them? And you know what? I hate to do this because I am a Steriline shipper. Klaus would never do this to her. Klaus would never do this to her. He wouldn't even look at another girl who he had sex with once before if he was in Caroline's midst. He'd be like, you were pregnant? Okay, well, that was a long time ago. Sorry. Okay, well, that's too bad. He'd at least immediately tell Caroline. He'd tell, he would tell Caroline everything. Yeah. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. It's it's a bad look for Stefan, and it's just, you know, I can justify it in that, like, Stefan is working through his feelings, whatever. But it's, yeah. it's sloppy writing about Stefan, and it, you know, is putting a dagger in Steriline that does not need to be there. That's the thing. They don't do something like this to any other couple, even the bad ones. Yeah. Liv and Tyler, I, I mean, I guess they killed for each other, so I guess you could call that a complication. But they didn't have this. <laughs> it just pisses me off. So Stefan says, see you tomorrow. And she says, yeah, see you tomorrow. Bye. And she's upset, obviously. 
even if she doesn't know what happened. It's weird that he has no information about this day to share. Again, even if he doesn't want to get into all of it today, like, I have so much to tell you about today. Like, can I see you tomorrow? Yeah. But instead, like, no, nothing happened today. Fuck you. Nothing happened the whole day. You don't want to be like, well, they got Julian. Yeah. You know that it doesn't work out well when you hold your feelings in like this. Where's the character growth? He said things got complicated. And then she said, anything monumental you want to share? And he said, no, it doesn't even make sense. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we go over to the Lockwood house where Stefan goes to Valerie. I will kill him. Swiftly. Valerie says, you didn't say a word the whole way back. And he says, I didn't really know what to say. Damon was just sitting in back like, okay. Like, oh boy, this is awkward. Um, She says, can you give me an overview of the options? And Stefan says, I'm angry I didn't know. I'm sad something I could have had was taken away from me. I want to kill Julian for what he did to you. And I'm sorry you had to go through this alone. How'd you get through the first three without mentioning her at all? I know I just said, like, (laughs) why the fuck would we care about Valerie? But how was your first reaction? I'm angry I didn't know. She told you why she didn't tell you. It's not like she had a choice, really. Mm -hmm. That's pretty clear. Valerie says, after it happened, I wanted to die. So much so, in fact, that I did indeed kill myself. Yeah, so much so that I did. She says, I obviously didn't realize I had vampire blood in my system. And he says, that's how you became a vampire. You killed yourself. And he seems to have like a lot of sympathy for this. You know, Catherine did this too. Again, not to be a Catherine shipper, but (laughs) he's like, oh, Catherine killed herself, selfish bitch. But Catherine (laughs) killed herself knowing she'd turn into a vampire is the difference. She actually wanted to die. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But I do have to agree with you there. I'm such a Valerie hater. I have become an every single person but Valerie apologist. I'm with you on it. Because as much as I respect the trauma that she went through, Stefan, get out of there. I hate her. I actually, like, I don't think there's a character I hate on Vampire Diaries more than Valerie. Mm. I'll say that. I'd take Matt Donovan over Valerie. Yeah, I mean, I I would. Because Matt Donovan has his moments. He does. When he kings, he kings. Anyway, she says, for a cry from that girl you met at the fair, isn't it? It's funny how one event can change the outcome of your entire life. Please don't tell anyone I couldn't bear for Lily to know. And he says, I won't, I promise. Again, no, you should say, I won't tell Lily. But I have to talk to someone about this, and it ain't gonna be you, sister. Yeah. But also, I I do get that Stefan's a black and white thinker, so he's like, I can't tell anyone. But that's the thing is, all this is going to do is make Caroline uncomfortable to the point that he has to tell her. Yeah. So like he might as well start with telling her. And frankly, he should tell Caroline out of respect for Valerie of like, I want to talk through my feelings for this, but I don't want to make you live through my selfish thoughts, even though he just fucking did that. He clearly needs to work through this by talking it out because it's a big feeling. I do think he should tell Caroline, but at the very least, he should talk to Damon about it because Damon knew him then. Yeah. She says, I don't presume to know you now or even what you wanted back then, but, and he immediately says, oh yeah, I would have wanted a child. Stefan. I will literally, you know what? I want to put you back in that safe because I can't do this with you today. I don't think you had long enough in there. I think you need another couple months in the fucking safe. Now go stand in the safe and think about what you did. You know, we've already railed into the whole, like why he shouldn't have had a baby thing, but it's weird that he wanted one period. It's very revisionist to say, like, oh, I was ready for a baby then. You were not. Let's be honest. There have been many times in your life that Damon is kind of your baby. 
Yeah. Did you like that? I know you didn't. Come on. He says, look, we have five guest rooms. You should probably stay the night. She says, no, I should run as far and as fast as I can. But Yes, she should because I don't want her here, but also because like, yeah. Yeah. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, queen. Stefan says, Damon won't let Lily get her hands on that stone. Number one, Damon did not even have his hands on that stone. What makes you think he can control that? Damon has never had that stone. Stefan, you don't even know who has the stone. How do you know who can get it? And also, Lily literally already has it. Yeah. And Stefan says, and if she does, I'll kill Julian myself. You know what? Just start with killing your mom. I'm sorry. Kill your mom, kill Julian, but definitely kill your mom. Yeah. It's time. At the very least, let Damon kill your mom. You don't even have to do it. We've given her so many opportunities to not be evil, and she picks the evil choice every time. Yeah. Sorry, it's over. We go over to the Salvatore house. They've got Julian on a table. They have the stone on Julian's chest. Again, next to the stone, we do see the X scar. Mm-hmm. I assume this is when you noticed it. Yes. The heretics are doing a spell, and it is funny. I just have to laugh because they're all talking, and Bo's just like, Moving his hands. <laughs> They're all chanting and doing hand movements. And Bo is just doing the hand movements, which like, of course, because he can't talk. But it's like, are you magic? Like, would you have do- been able to do this by yourself? Yeah. That's a-, a weird loophole about witchcraft. Maybe if you can't say it, you can just think really hard. I mean, Bonnie can do spells without talking. Yeah. Maybe it's just stronger if you're talking. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's also like, why'd you make this guy mute? Like, what was the storytelling purpose? Was it just to give him a personality trait? I think so. And I think because they had so many heretics that they're like, we can't get to know all these people. One of them has to be mute. And Julie Plex said, the black one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's cast a black one so I can make him mute. She's so dastardly. <laughs> the spell continues throughout the next few scenes. We go over to the grill. Damon has joined Bonnie there. Bestie vibes. Mm-hmm. And Bonnie says, so Lily is the reason I'll never see Elena again. And Damon says, yeah, apparently she has a thing for emotional torture. We don't have to say apparently anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Bonnie's like, so can we kill her finally? Yeah, or what? Bonnie says, guess the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. (laughs) Jokey. Damon says, hey, I do not go behind people's backs and torture them. I like my enemies to look me in the eye and see the depth of my rage. And that is true. Damon is not one for emotional torture. He's one for straight up torture. Yeah. Mostly because he's too emotional to be able to manipulate emotions. Yeah. Bonnie says, you sure you want to do this? And he says, burning that bastard's body would have been too good for Lily. I want to give her the man that she cherished and loved and missed for a hundred years. I want her to run into Julian's arms and remember what it feels like to have that love returned. I want her to taste true happiness. And then we go back over to the Salvatore house and we see Julian opens his eyes. Mm-hmm. He looks freaked out. But he doesn't scream like Oscar. Yeah, he's not as dramatic as Oscar. <laughs> yeah. Lily says, Julian, is it you? And he says, Lily. So we know it is really him and not just a guy being like, yes, it's me. Sure. Don't put me back in the stone. <laughs> uh, so we know it's really Julian. He says, Lily, darling. They hug. They kiss. All the heretics seem happy. They have a family member back. Yeah, even though you lost one. We go to the grill and Damon says, I want to rip his head off right in front of her. I want to break her heart. I want to break her spirit. I want to destroy her. And, you know, I can't fault him for this. This is fair. This is a fair reaction. Bonnie says, so much for the new leaf, huh? 
And he said, well, no one was buying that anyway. Yeah. He says, you know what? Tell me I'm being stupid and reckless and cruel. Tell me I'm not doing right by Elena. But Bonnie says, no, I think you're doing right by Elena. You should definitely ruin your mother's life. And that's that's a real bestie right there. That's a real bestie. She's like, no, you're right. And to be fair, at this point, Elena would be like, mm, yeah, I think you've given her enough chances. I think we need to treat her as a villain now. I think Elena is always going to be like, you shouldn't kill your mom. She's your mom. But I do think at this point, like, she'd be like, you know what? I understand if that's what you need to do. She'd be like, no, but you should kill Julian, though. <laughs> yeah, at least Julian. Damon says, glad to see you boarded this train to crazy town, Bonnie Bennett. I was getting lonely all by myself. And they cheers with their shots. And that's where we end the episode. So I know I've asked this before, but we're getting conflicting reports on Julian. With what we've heard, do you think Julian is good or bad? Because it's not just Valerie versus Lily anymore. It's Valerie versus all the heretics. So who do you believe? I think he's bad, but I think he's very good at masking that. Okay. It's worth bringing up that Lily sent Julian and Valerie to Stefan. Mm -hmm. She had Julian with her, and it may have been that as a woman, Valerie needed an escort in some way. Sure. But I think it's possible Julian and Valerie came into Lily's life together in some way. Okay. Just because they were bumped together there. So it may be that there's a longer relationship, like a, a sibling or family dynamic that is exacerbating his behavior. Sure. I also want to say this is the end of our first chapter of season seven of the heretic chapter. I want you to guess what the next chapter is. The Phoenix Stone chapter. That's a great guess, but it is incorrect. Okay. Is it a name that I would not be able to guess or would I be able to guess it? You'd be able to guess it. Okay. Um, the. Now I'm I don't know. I'm not going to pull anything out. There's nothing in my brain. I usually wait till next week to tell you, but I'm going to tell you right now just because it's fun. It's the Julian chapter. I almost said that, but I thought it sounded too dumb. I almost did say the name is stupider than you think it is. I almost said it, but I was like, there's no way it's the fucking Julian chapter. Okay, yeah, so he's definitely evil. <laughs> How do you think this is going to go? Do you think that Damon is going to kill Julian? Do you think Julian's going to integrate? What, what do you think is next for the family of heretics here? I think it's not a quick Julian kill. I'll say that. I do think Julian and or Lily are not long for this world, as I think many of the heretics are. I think the heretics will either die or leave town. And I don't see Lily leaving town. I do think Julian is another opportunity for cracks to form among the heretics. Because I do think, though like Nora, Mary Louise are not super close with Valerie, I think it will be a shock to the system for Lily to cut someone off that suddenly. Sure. Because one thing about them, they're a family and they're supposed to be there for each other. And yes, it's a big deal to try to kill Julian, but I think it's like you just completely cut her out of our lives like that with nothing. And, you know, I think there's complications that could come from the Phoenix stone. We have to assume Bo and Julian have some connection in that way. And the Bo and Julian connection is particularly interesting when we consider that Valerie knows where that scar came from mm -hmm. and has been closer with Bo, it appears, than some of the others. So I do think there's just some complications that will arise. And I do think Julian and Lily will end up dead as a result. Sure. How long do you think until Julian and Lily are dead? How many episodes? You know, it's called the Julian chapter. So of course you assume he'll last through the whole chapter. 
you don't know how long the chapter is, though, because we've had chapters in the past that were like two or three episodes. I mean, I think Julian will be around for like four to five episodes. I think Lily potentially a little longer than that. I also can't completely ignore the fact that potentially Julian, when he dies, goes back into the Phoenix Stone, like automatically because of the scar. And I think Lily could very easily choose to go into the Phoenix Stone to be with Julian. Interesting. Do you think Lily and Julian will stay in love or do you think Lily will become wise to his evils? I think Lily won't become wise. (laughs) I think Julian may hurt her or he might fall out of love, but I don't think that will be Lily's call whatsoever. Gotcha. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you are enjoying The Vampire Diaries and or Doppelgangers, please give us five stars rating review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.